Welcome to the Arena Deck List Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by my former, current teammate, Brian Gottlieb. I don't know. How do, how do we uh, refer to each other when, like, the tournament has ended? But, like, I would team with you again. I will always be your teammate, Gerald. For okay. the end of time, we are teammates, despite the fact that we didn't we didn't play Magic for all that long as teammates. But uh, we we played the correct amount of Magic, I think, for us all. Seven rounds is a lot. I don't. I don't care what you say. No, dude. After like two rounds, I don't. I, don't, I think you were not there, but like Cho and I were talking after the first two rounds, and we were just like, "Yo, there's like six more rounds of this, and I am already hitting my wall really hard." And I think we we started fairly. Like we started two zero, I think. And I'm yep. like, even if we're doing well now, you know, there's no way we're going to actually finish out. And Cho's just like, "Oh, absolutely not. There's no chance." Man, why why do you put that bad shit out into the universe? If it was true, I could I could feel it in my soul. Like there just wasn't that much focus within me. Although, like, and and Cho said this too. I did feel like I actually started playing better as the day went on, but still, it, it was draining. It was a lot, and I I think we played exactly as much magic as we were supposed to. So SCG Con Pittsburgh was Streets of New Capenna team sealed. Me, you, Joshua Cho. Went four, two, and one, and then conceded. I guess. Yep. If if you want to be technical about it, and it was it was an interesting experience, man. I've not played Team Sealed in a while. I've not played anything in a while. Yeah. And certainly have not played all that much limited in a while. But it felt good. It did. I, I mean, I had a, I had a really good time, and it wasn't just like hanging out with you guys. I knew we were going to have a good time doing that, but. First of all, I thought the set was a lot of fun to play. Like, I, I have some qualms with the general design of the set, but in terms of just like playing the games, the way the cards interact with each other, very, very pleased. I thought it was interesting. Even like deck building, I thought was a lot of fun. There were always interesting decisions to be made and just like a generally surprisingly good experience, I would say. Like, you remember why you enjoy magic so much when you get to do things like that and, you know, you don't just focus on whatever nonsense is going on in an arena or organized play. And you're just like with your buddies playing some games. It's a very different experience. Yeah, it was good. I I did enjoy the set. Also, I think that like you, I have some qualms about the set to some degree. It's, I don't know. It's kind of weird, but you know, I I think no matter what every set is going to have that, but we did not make day two. Stayed Saturday night, went went home Sunday, kind of like in the morning, I guess. But we had all been up for a while at that point. Yeah. And then I went back to Cho's, kind of like in the D.C. area, and we hung out there. And he, I might have talked about this before, where like he had played Arena but couldn't figure out how to get through Sparky or whatever. So yeah, just Sparky bested him. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't figure out how to skip the tutorial. So I took a nap. And when I woke up, I think Josh was like platinum on on Arena. Quick turnaround, yeah. Yeah. So he had been playing a bunch. And then I had like joined some drafts and joined some seals, but didn't finish them. Just to, I don't know, kind of like get the hang of it and read the cards and be able to think about like, oh, okay, like how how would I build my deck? Blah, blah, blah. You know? And then I started like actually completing the drafts and playing them because playing in the tournament was pretty fun. And dude, I've been playing limited. Same. I, I came home, loaded up Arena, did like the re-download and hopped right in a draft. And uh, I haven't finished my first draft yet, but I just had some other things come up. I was traveling a bit more after Pittsburgh. So yeah, you've been busy. I have been busy. But the f- the first thing I wanted to do when I left was play more limited. And that's a, that's a really nice feeling. 
it's weird. It's weird, but uh, I have I have a lot of booster packs now. I also appreciate that for once, I didn't just buy the whole set outright the day it released, so I can actually benefit from playing a bunch of limited and like put the cards into my collection as opposed to just getting the 20 gems or whatever, which I was always forced to do because I bought so much of the set coming out the gates because I wanted it yep. for constructed. Yeah, it, I, I still don't like that. I don't like that standard is kind of irrelevant, especially right when a set gets released, you know? No, it's bad. It's a really bad setup. But the fact that I am like ignoring that setup for the time being felt very good. Yeah, but it, it saves me like a hundred bucks, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> whatever. And I guess, I guess to that extent, this is the time when we would normally be talking about standard. Instead, we're talking about team sealed tournaments, and I guess we're going to talk about a modern deck dump. Modern deck dump time. The people love the modern deck dumps. Obviously, Street's not going to be the most impactful modern set, but we haven't checked in a while, so I'm good with doing that. And it just doesn't, frankly, it doesn't seem like the interest is there in Standard. You know, we could talk about how the format has changed. I'm sure we will. You know, we'll we'll let some development happen and we'll come back to it. But for the time being, it seems better just to check in on Modern and see what's going on there. Well, I need the formats to be announced for you know, local PTQs mm-hmm. and for regional PTQs. So we have an idea on, on what to focus on. Yep. And once that happens, uh, you should let our listeners know our goal is to lead you successfully through the RPTQ store, PTQ, PPTQ, whatever you want to call it. We're going to lead you through that system and make it our goal to make sure you are succeeding in those things. Cause that's always what we were here for. There's no question. Like some of that thread has been lost over the past few years we we don't prefer that. We would have loved to just like keep helping people achieve their goals with OP, but there really weren't any. As soon as there are again, we have your back. That's that's what our focus goes to, and we're going to have you ready for all those events. Hell yeah. All right. Modern Deck Dump. If you want to follow along, you're chilling at home. This is the Modern League that happened on May 3rd. Correct. And just search are- for Magic Online Decklist. You'll, you'll get to the homepage. Go- find Liter- the May 3rd League. Literally go to mtgo.com, scroll down a little bit, click on deck lists. That's it. That's all you have to do. And then you should probably bookmark that page. Forever till the end of time. Don't let it escape. That is what I've had bookmarked for 15 years. I actually have it on my uh, Steam Deck. So I just push one button and it opens right to the the deck dump pages. Oh, that's fancy. Yeah. Yeah, very fancy. Hmm. I think I said Steam Deck. It's a stream deck. Yeah. My bad. Anyway, uh, first up. Uh, deck list from Kami Tech, Azorius Hammer, deck that has fallen out of favor a lot, honestly, but somewhat recently, by that I mean like maybe two months ago, picked up a little bit of a blue splash. Uh, it was probably more than that, actually, because it was the last set, right? Yeah. So, yeah, playing a reality chip to go with Stoneforge Mystics and a couple copies of Steel Shaper's Gift, and then you just get to automatically equip that bad jellyfish with Sigardazade or Pure Steel Paladin, which is pretty nice. Deck is all cheap cards. So if you hit a run of spells, it's pretty easy to kind of go off and gives the deck another angle. And then since Lurus is banned, you're playing some bigger equipment uh, with Stoneforge Mystic too. Yeah, and we were flirting with these reality chip setups while Lurus was still around. I think it's even more important post-Lurus because you, you do want like some way to play a slightly longer game. That's one of the things that really put this version of hammer on the map and made it a tier one deck in modern is that it's not just this very fragile glass cannon anymore. If it needs to play a bit longer game, it still can, it can draw its way out of tough situations uh, and reality chip sort of picking up some of the slack from the absence of Loris. But like you mentioned, adding those bigger equipments is a 
very big deal as well. Nettlesis, Caldra complete, those things can add new angles of play to the deck. So still a, a very solid performer in the aftermath of Loris's banning. I, I often think this deck is underrepresented. It feels like there should be more copies of it around given how good it is. And I don't think like it has the love of a lot of modern decks. Like it doesn't have its real fanatics, maybe because it's newer. You know, it's, it hasn't been around forever. It sort of was a joke deck for a very long period of time before it was a very good deck. Right. Some of that stink is sort of still with it, but there should probably be more hammer than we see in modern events. Okay. So going into Pittsburgh, I built some decks in real life because I didn't anticipate any of us being like, oh, we didn't make day two. Let's stick around and play side events. You know, I, I definitely assumed that, you know, we would just go home, but mm. Uh, I knew that for these PTQs coming up, I was probably going to want to have some decks and then also maybe loan some decks to people or whatever. And Hammer was one of the ones that I started building. It's just weird because it's like the, the odds and ends that I don't have for this deck are very weird and very narrow. You yep. know, it's like pure still paladins. Like, I don't have those. Yeah, I think I am missing. I, I actually went to look at this deck a while ago and just figure out what I needed to fill in. And I think it was the Cigarda's Aids that I was mostly missing and had almost everything else. So, and those are now, I believe, fairly expensive. Uh, maybe, maybe like eight to ten bucks. <sighs> I don't it, think it, I can swing that no, for a deck that I'm certainly never going to play. I don't, I don't know if I should. It's not that much. It's not that much. And Cigarda's Aid I had because that was from the era when I was just playing Magic every weekend and was like buying a Japanese case okay. when every set came out. So like they just sat in a box for five years until they got playable. Perfect. Yeah, I, I bet I would have had them at one point, but they probably like hit the two or three dollar range. And I'm like, oh, I'll never play this. And then I shipped them. So yeah. Or maybe they're still around. Who knows? Maybe I'm like kind of well organized at this point. So there, there's a couple spots they could be that I didn't check. But I doubt they're there. Yeah. All right. Next up, Musasabi, four color, Omnath. However, also Sahili, Felidar Guardian, and then Vivian of the Hunt for the one card combo. Yeah. This is this was the talk before we went into uh, this new season. It's Planebound Accomplice plus Vivian. And you just go through this weird chain. Do you do you want to detail the chain? Do you know it well enough to detail it successfully? So you, uh, I, it depends on where you start, I think. But I think if you have a Felidar Guardian in play, you plus the Vivian, kill the Guardian, get Karmic Guide, Karmic Guide back the Guardian. Do you then blink the Nissa? Yeah, you blink Nissa, or blink Vivian, sorry. Yep. Or no, sorry. So you sack the Felidar Guardian, Karmic Guide it back, Felidar Guardian, I think this really shouldn't be that hard. This is actually embarrassing. It's, see, this, it's almost impossible in my eyes. I don't, I don't even think it's a real oh, combo. Oh, okay. No, so you you blink. So you Karmic Guide back to Felidar. That ETBs, that blinks Vivian. You Vivian the Felidar Guardian again. You get Kiki. Kiki copies Karmic Guide. Karmic Guide brings back Guardian. Guardian blinks Kiki. Kiki copies Guardian. There we go. We got there. Uh, and you can do that from from less of a base as well. You have your plain bound accomplice. I'm like I'm a visual person, so I couldn't like when I was trying to figure out like step two. I was like, but the guardian's not in play, or what? You know, I just I needed the cards like in play, and then I could do it. Further complicating this is the fact that Gatherer is down right now. So as we roll yeah. through this deck list, we don't have any images in front of us, so we have to do it all from memory, and that takes up you know a little bit of processing space as well. So it's all right; you got there eventually. You put the combo together, and now you've won the game. Congratulations! 
Well, maybe. Maybe you get Rakdos charmed or something. Who knows? Could happen, yeah. And maybe we'll see more of that if that you know, if this deck becomes a real don't, thing, but there's don't do it. It's even when people played it against twin, it was so bad. Sure. It, it was very techy and there were better options, but this deck is cool just because it does play some pretty good cards, right? Like you're doing this silly stuff, but there's also just a very good base underneath it. You have like solid planeswalkers, you have Omnath, you have uh fury solitude in small numbers so like you you just have a bunch of answers that these decks aren't supposed to reliably have and if you've ever played any number of kiki jiki decks from back in the day like kiki cord you know what it's like to open your hand and just be like wow what am i presently holding right now ham sandwich cards makes sense this deck has less of that going on though right because a lot of its power points are in its planeswalkers all of its creatures are decent enough on their face so i, I like this setup i think it I don't anticipate being like a tier one deck because it's just very defined in what it wants to do. And if it's ever good enough to be tier one, I think it's very easy to adjust against it. It's not just like a deck that will always be able to do its thing. But I think as far as picking your spots, this will be a really good option sometimes. And there are a lot of different versions of this combo too. I kind of like this one better because you have a solid backup plan. Yeah. And Bomat was playing like reanimator hybrid with it. Okay, which, which was like also kind of cool, but yeah, I mean, like this this deck you have you have Ice Fang, you have some Omnaths, you have access to Fury Solitude, you have a bunch of different Planeswalkers. This is not that different than just the normal four color Yorian decks. Yeah, and I mean, you're you're playing like eight eight birds, right? Four birds, four noble, so you're more vulnerable to like opposing Furies and Lightning Bolts and stuff like that, which is pretty annoying. But like for the most part, you can play that long grindy game, and then just at some point win the game out of nowhere and that is definitely a benefit but it's is it worth it playing you know raw plane bound accomplice or just like vivian on its own eldritch evolution which i don't think is that bad especially if you're playing eight birds but yeah you know i i think it's pros and cons and i i actually think that it's like difficult to hate out in a setup like this i mean you could do things like torpor orb which is just generally good against the deck anyway and i think you know maybe people should be playing more of but Generally, in, in instances like these, if you try and hate out the combo, then they just beat you with Omnath. Good point. And also, you know, when you have these type of toolbox decks, you get very powerful sideboard options as well and ways to challenge whatever it is your opponent's doing. Now, I often like to not drift too far from my initial proactive strategy, but that's one of the benefits of having a setup like this is like you add in, you know, your two Obsidian Charmaws, and now you have a completely different angle that your deck can play at very little cost to your consistency or like your initial setup. So... Cool to see. I am excited to watch this deck evolve. I expect it to be present feature in the format. I would be surprised if it's a defining feature of the format. It's fun. It's cool. It's new. People are going to do it. Yep. And for like a first outing, this looks relatively tuned also. I should say that. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, next up, Lit City. Is it Murktide? Three Charm, two Spell Pierce, 19 Land, all four ofs. This is kind of the the default, the stock version at this point. Yeah, and I think this is also the default best deck in the format. It makes sense. It was the deck that was just completely unaffected by the Luris band that was already pushing around those top tiers. So other decks got brought down just a little bit, just a peg. I, I don't think they were completely destroyed by the Luris band, but certainly there's an impact there, and this deck was left untouched, and people continue to play it and do really well with it, and I'm not surprised by that fact. Extremely powerful. I think the card Counterspell sucks. And that's, that's all I'm going to say. Now we're going to move on. Okay. 
All right. Faulted form, uh, zero lands, balustrade spy, goblin charbelcher mashup. Uh, I don't know. You get like some jack o' lanterns from the last set, and what else? Nothing. Cool. Nothing. That's that's about it. We know what this deck is. You know what it does. It is good. For a long time, when we were putting together our tier list, we kept a Charbelcher approach on there, be just just because it, we wanted it to represent combo as a whole. I think it's been supplanted now. I think there's better places to put your combo points, but I am I, not surprised when this deck wins a tournament. It's completely capable of doing so. Yeah, Charbelcher was pretty threat light. This one has Undercity Balustrade Spy, and yep. I mean, I guess you could look at it like. This is a spy informer deck first that is preempting graveyard hate by playing some Charbelcher's main. But even compared to the other Charbelcher decks, I still like this setup better. Sure. Uh, next up, Eddie Dew. Green, black, the mopiest of mopey decks. Elvish Reclaimer, Urza Saga, Dothy Voidwalker, three copies of Wither Bloom Command. This is this is not that new or anything it is definitely like a fringe take on whatever sort of like rakdos or jund deck that you want to play and this this deck gets to play a bunch of cool cards but it's just so unbelievably fair love it love everything about it i I don't think it's going to win all that often but i want to play it actual three dark confidant so exciting get to play that alongside all these mopey dorks that aren't very good wither bloom command is a card that i actually pegged to do way more in modern than it has. I think it's quite good in terms of its versatility. Again, it's asking for like a specific metagame, but it does seem decent now. It's I, I'm at risk every time I enter a tournament of accidentally registering this deck, basically. <laughs> and, and I never should. I know that, but I'm at risk. Because, yeah, you already own the Elvish Reclaimers. And oh, everything. yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm ready to go. Foiled out. Let's hop right in the queues. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying desperately to avoid this. I'm saving myself, uh, saving me from myself by just not owning that card. I think I sold like the one or two copies I had when it got to eight. That, or that was a good idea. Very good idea. Uh, Cyborg is pretty cool. We get to play Culling Ritual and the two copies of Torpor Orb that I mentioned yeah. before. Also some Phyrexian Crusaders, which I, I get it. It's it's good against four color, but it's that's a lot. That's a, a weird plan. Big commitment to Phyrexian Crusader. I, you know, I've seen this card float around sideboards for so long. It's just been like, oh, the answer to burn, the answer to, to you know, prowess. And it never is. It's never the answer. I get it. But it's just like three mana's uh, absolute mountain to climb in the modern format. And you just don't get enough return out of this card, I don't think. If it were faster clock, I could see it. Or if you had some way to make it a faster clock, I could see it. Sure, if you have like incidental pump in your deck. Yeah, there's a shadow spear to speed the clock up by a turn. But yeah, I think you need more than that. Yeah, I do too. If it if it just killed them faster, it'd be fine. But it's just like, okay, this thing is gonna sit and play for forever, sure. But you know, their life total that was at ten is now back up to twenty because you're operating on a different axis, and then they just start drawing cards and blinking stuff, and we'll probably just kill you before it kills them. Yep, I would agree with that. Uh, next deck is from Death. Uh, Castle Vantress check. We have one. This is Esper Control with Avoid Rend. Two Esper Charms. Two Kaya's Guile. A Kaya, Kaya Orzov Usurper. That's the, the three drop one that kills a one or a zero. The one I actually like. Yep. Um, I'm actually surprised. Like w- One of the first 
Esper decks that I saw after Streets came out was playing Tainted Indulgence. And okay. I, I like that a decent amount. Uh, I could also see trying the charm because you could return to fairy or whatever, but this deck isn't even playing three mana to fairy. It's, so. it's not that that's the biggest like shock I have in this deck. And I do think there is some space to combine that uh, with the obscura charm. One of the reasons I was quasi high on that card, although after playing that card in limited boy, do I hate it? Like it's just Told so, you. so bad. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was off base on that one, but if it does have any use, it's probably in conjunction with the fairy time rappler, just not present in this deck list. And I, I sort of get it, like, based on what you're doing here, there's not a whole lot of upside to it. But I just think, like, if you are going to have an Esper control deck that is good, it probably leverages Teferi. Like, it's just too powerful of a card. And that's the reason you're pulled into this archetype in the first place. So, Well, I think it says a lot about the state of the format, too, where I think even as as close as two weeks ago, Rhinos and Living In were both pretty high yeah. up there and, like, both yeah. pretty big parts of the format. And... I think that Teferi was your your best option against them. Not even just because it's very very potent against them, but just that like you, the deck kind of needs it too. You know, because you don't have many good ways of actually interacting with the Cascade stuff. Like you have counter spells, but if they have like outbursts into uh, sorcery speed one, then yep. you're you're kind of screwed. And instead, I mean, you have Kaya's Guile, which is good against Living End to some degree. Good, good in quotes. Yeah, I they that. they can rebuild pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, and then just like Esper Charm, which is like, yeah, I get wanting a draw too. I would probably just play Tainted Indulgence. Love Tainted Indulgence. And that was kind of the card as I was scrolling through this deck dump. I wanted to see what it did. Not a ton of it here. I mean, I, I think we do get to it, but it's just not a huge fixture. And I think that'll change over time. That card is capable of a lot in this format. So for, for the decks I built in Modern, I needed to buy some stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think for anything that would be like tainted indulgence related, I might mo- own most of it already. That's good. It's a good uh, head start. Unless it's like reanimator stuff, then I might need archons. But I don't know if I'll ever decide that reanimator is like the best thing that I should be doing. I hope not. Because if that's where we are, then the format's probably in a weird place. Or, I mean, or I just want to have fun. I, that seems unlikely to me. That's, that's a, not an outcome I'm anticipating. Uh, Okay. Because here's the problem, and you you have taught me this lesson. You go, oh, I want to just have fun and play this fun deck. And then when you get there and you realize your deck is inefficient and terrible, you're like, oh, wait, this isn't actually fun whatsoever, and I hate myself. Yeah, but what did I what did I do at like the mocks events? You know, I never played a good deck. I was always I you, fun. I think you went far enough towards a good deck that you were you were still able to be happy. Yeah, I mean the the last. One of their 1Ks or whatever it was that I top aided, I was playing Vengevine deck. Right. When you could play like Urza and Oko. Yeah, that might. Yeah, that, yeah, okay. okay. That, okay. That's hard to fight against. I was, like, I was like, I have once upon a time, it's so consistent. And yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I guess. That's true. I can't argue with that. Yeah. Uh, next up, Team Mentor, Underworld Breach, Dragon Rage's Channeler, Ragavan, and some Monastery Mentors in the main deck. I kind of like this, actually. Little value breach, you're into this? I don't know. It's like you could play breach Emery type of stuff, or mm-hmm. you could just play a card that actually kills them in a lot of other scenarios, whereas Emery, you just kind of like spin your wheels. That's fair. I, I love Monastery Mentor. I, again, a card I've always said is underplayed in these formats. You know, fair breach. Breach is a busted card. Like it's, it's just busted. And if it's not working out as a pure combo enabler in modern, 
that's that's not the only thing it can do. And as modern gets more and more powerful, which it naturally will over time, you, maybe we do just start seeing some value breaches. And it's just a if it's a draw three, that's that's plenty. You don't need more than that. Yeah. For two mana. And I, I think it almost always will be in these scenarios. So interesting take for sure. This is basically a legacy deck, is what it looks It looks like, like it. Yeah, for sure. And now I'm like, well, well, I guess legacy can't do stuff like this. But should they have been doing stuff like this? Like was this an option they should have considered as well? Uh is Breach Band. I I'm pretty sure. I don't know. When was the last time we played Legacy? Probably when we were playing like Blue Red, which would have played Breach, so I'm going to assume it's just banned. Yeah. Uh I mean I, I played a bit ago. Breach was just like never a card I was interested in, you know? If you're if you're selling well, because on- it was it was doing pure combo stuff in right. that format, right? right. Like exactly. if it was doing this, I think it's way more interesting to me. Yeah. If you showed me this sort of deck, I'd be like, ooh, okay, let's go. But yeah. instead I was like building the the ACAS deck, you know. Right. Big ton EX MTG. Is it, but not Merktide. This is from two years ago, Stormwing Entity. Don't like this. Just just don't. It's fine. It's not good, but it's fine. If you want to play burn, but fancy burn where your creatures have to do a lot of the heavy lifting and you really like sequencing cantrips and whatnot, I think this is okay. You have two copies of Vapor Snag to deal with Murktide. I think that's really smart. I think in general, people don't play enough answers to Murktide because they're mopey cards like Vapor Snag, but you do what you got to do. I agree with the answers to to Murktide. I just think you can do a lot better than this deck in most scenarios. And it's hard for me to say there's a reason to play this when you can just play the Murktide deck. I don't know what this is exploiting better. I mean, if you have a really good mirror matchup, maybe, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, You goldfish better. That's definitely true. All my goldfishes are are never good anyway, so I'm here for the interaction, the long game. Uh, Potential upside for budget-conscious listeners is that this deck does not have to play Regavan. There you go. Sure. That's totally fine. I mean, like, I think we should pay more attention to considerations like that because especially as we head back into stores and in a modern format, which can cost tons of money, you know, if there's a good secondary option that you can put together a modern deck for 200 bucks as opposed to a thousand bucks probably should pay attention to that yeah when when this was when it was like this deck and heliod that were the only playable decks in modern some of the stuff in this deck started creeping up just like iteration spire bluff canal stormwing entity mm-hmm. i'm sure maybe not all of it but like stormwing entity for example has probably fallen a little bit and i know the bobble went down a little bit after Luris got banned, Luris, so if yeah. you want to get into modern, kind of on the cheap, maybe not a bad place to start. Word. Uh, next up, Make Make, Underworld Breach, this time combo uh, for Emery to go alongside Dragon Rage Chandler and Ragavan. Three Grinding Station, three Mox Amber, uh, Urza Saga, like pretty normal stuff, eventually kills with Thassa's Oracle. I, I like the value breaches. I like them a lot more, and then you don't have to play crap like Grinding Station. Yeah, Grinding Station is the big like X on this deck, as I see it. Every other card is pretty good, and then you get to that, and it's only functional as a combo piece, and you're kind of like resource constrained, I would say. Like some some games, you get to have it all, and you have your Emery going, and you just never run out of gas. But in other games, if you're interacted with whatsoever, having a dead card like Grinding Station in your hand can be a real death knell. So lower on this pure combo take, but I do think like Underworld Breach is just going to eventually end up banned in modern. It would be very surprising to me if it's not just given what it does. Well, let's work on it. Let's get there. Okay, sure. We could do that. 
Uh, Thedorus, Azorius, kind of Urza, but with no Urzas. There's two in the sideboard. Esper Sentinel, Ingenious Smith, Stoneforge Mystic, Thought Monitor, four Metallic Rebuke, and yeah, just like Portable Hole, Urza Saga, couple Teferis, like pretty much like value blue-white artifacts. I love yeah, these type of decks. Same, but they're just they're, worse than Hammer. Well. Like, just worse. In in the vast, vast majority of scenarios, yes. I think like, oh, this this can maybe grind a little bit better, but then you also play against four color and then they just grind you out anyway. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're moving the needle a little bit, but not in a way that actually influences any of the matchups, I think. And I I would much rather play something like this than Hammer. I don't know why. I'm just telling you that like if I look at those two decks and you say, which one do you want to play win percentage aside, I would choose this deck every time. It's fun. It's, All your cards draw cards. It looks yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah, it's just a worse version, though, of, of better things you can do. So this deck is going to have to find a reason to exist, I think, and it does not have one yet. Which is weird, because they've gotten so many cards. Yeah, they just have better homes, that's all. I don't think anything's wrong with the cards. It just like needs something that specifically, specifically leverages this mode of interaction. So yeah. I don't know, some reason why you're incentivized not to do a bunch of damage at once and you just want to like spread it out a little bit. Okay, that starts to to matter somewhat, but I can't I can't really think of what that would be in the context of the modern format. Like why would you ever want to do that? Yeah, it's basically if Jun or Grix's type stuff is popular where the matchup is grindy, they'll be able to stop you from combo killing them with hammer, yeah. but you can definitely outdraw them, then this is when this is good. But four color just doesn't stop getting card advantage really yeah as long as urian is a thing i don't think we'll ever cross that threshold again so yeah that's probably true choffy joey i don't know this is this is spice all right 23 jeskai lands uh counterspell archmage's charm prismatic ending lightning bolt three copies of teferi time raveler one jace the mind sculptor three snapcaster mage three solitude four stoneforge mystic with a batter skull and a culture complete so kind of blue white control-ish also get to play Iteration, and you have Stoneforge Mystic for a clock. But like, if you took out the Stoneforges and replaced them with like Teferis and Jaces or whatever, this would be a pretty normal control deck. So is Stoneforge as a cheap threat something that these decks are actually interested in? Does it actually change matchups in any favorable way? Cauldra Complete definitely changed the math on that a little bit. Like, I think a lot of times we just wanted to play Stoneforge Mystic, but it it didn't influence any matchups in a positive way. I think Cauldra Complete does get you some points against decks that have sort of that not quite inevitability, but quasi-inevitability in terms of like they're going to execute their game plan and then their game plan will overwhelm you and you can't catch back up to it. So there's there's moments for these setups, I believe. Like I think Stoneforge Mystic can be the right choice at times. Is this one of those times? I'm leaning towards no. I think like there's just more focus on things like is it Merktide and more uh, fair stuff. Like Modern does a better job of playing towards the battlefield these days. And this would be about a modern format that's like very combo heavy and there's actual stack-based combo as part of the equation. Once that happens, then I'm into these sorts of setups. Well, uh, right now though, I'd have this a little bit lower on my scale. The Cascade decks are kind of stack-based, right? And I think that Stoneforge was not that great against those decks. Like, yeah, it is a cheap threat, but maybe this is specific more to modern than to old standard formats or legacy or whatever. But for modern specifically, it's like you just need to keep your shields up for the first five turns. 
mm-hmm. and you just you don't have a good window to sneak Stone Forge into play with in Legacy when you have uh, you know Force of Will Force now Force of will, Negation, yeah. then you can afford to take the shields down for a turn. But for for modern, that just seems like way too dangerous. If anything, I would think that this is a thing that can maybe pressure Amulet, but also is maybe good in control mirrors because it makes them have to sideboard funny. Maybe. But, but I don't maybe know. It, it still true. seems not really that threatening. And in a lot of cases, they need to keep in like prismatic ending for Teferi and whatnot anyway. So. Yeah. yeah, that's true. The removal getting broader is a problem for Stoneforge Mystic, right? Like you're yeah. no longer asking those decks a difficult question. They're just like, well, I'll play my removal spell on it. What else was I supposed to do? Uh, and that can be a little problematic for sure. Yep. Next deck from Max Attack, Mono Red, DRC, Swift Spear, Ragavan, two Soulscar Mage, four Light of the Sage, four Reckless Impulse, uh, also three copies of Underworld Breach. Okay. Yeah, just doing, just doing this now. We're into the value Underworld Breaches, and I am here for it. It feels like the right move. Yeah, this compared to Is It, I think it, it probably compares favorably. Like, there's some stuff that you lose out on where you don't have the evasion of Sprite Dragon or Stormwing. You don't have Vapor Stag for Murktide. This deck has four Unholy Heats, so maybe that's good enough, or you can use it alongside a Lava Dark to tag team it or something. Yeah. But, like, you don't necessarily need to splash blue when you have Stage and Impulse, and then Breach just kind of allows you to go off and, you know, maybe even bolt your opponent out. I don't know. So, uh, if you're looking for, like, you know, Burn, where the creatures carry you, you have a lot of card advantage, a lot of staying power, I think this might be the way to do. Yeah, this is cool. I like I said, I'm all about pushing harder on Underworld Breach. I'm sort of shocked it took so long. There's nothing really all that new is added to the equation. You know, we have Reckless Impulse, which was certainly an ad recently, but you could have been doing stuff like this for a long time. It just didn't line up well when you could also do Lurus stuff. Um, although you could have done both. Like I don't, I don't even think that's wrong either. So, so I, I'm actually, I'm gonna. I don't even know if I can check this, but I think this is Max McVitie. And he he was playing like the Boros version of this deck with Luris. And it's mm-hmm. basically like, okay, well, with Luris gone, like now we'll breach. Yeah, sure. That makes sense to me. Yeah, Max is at Max Attack on Twitter. So Okay, good detective work, Gerald. Yeah. But given given like Max, his history, the decks he played, even like what he played recently, and that, you know, his name is in the screen name. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is him. Nailed it. Uh, the Scrub and Scrubs. Elementals, but hardcore. No Urian. 23 land, three Utopia Sprawls, some Flamekin Harbingers, two Thunderkin Awakeners, some Voice of Resurgences, just really Elementals, some Ephemerates, and, and Mana Sources, and then like a random Teferi. I just need to check something real quick. Bear with me here. What are you checking? A little, a little Googling. Well, I wanted to see how valuable Flame King Harbingers are. And I was just thinking about like in a world where people as opposed to tormenting me with Nib Magus Elementals torment me with Flamekin Harbingers, which were also in that you'd, deck. You'd be rich. Yeah, I would be doing so much better. And I'm sort of disappointed that people couldn't be more creative with their tormenting and uh, just load me up with flame Flamekin Harbingers. I do have like a large amount of them, but I just feel like I should have more. And it makes me sad that I haven't maxed out on this card. It's it's gotta be a few bucks, right? It is it is two fifty. That's yeah, uh, not bad. Yeah, that's not bad for an uncommon. I'm curious. Yeah, the foil is like twenty three bucks, so that's that's where the money was. That's and that's what they should have been like white elephant gifting you. Yeah, that would have been very nice. So boo to all of you. I'm disappointed in your tormenting of me, but at the same time, 
I don't I don't want to play these Flamekin Harbinger decks. Like, do you remember how bad that card was in the Nib Magus deck? It was such like a necessary evil. Putting that card on top of your deck is just nightmarish. Now, granted, what you're putting on top of your deck here is going to do a lot more for you. Yeah, because the goal is to get Risen Reef and protect it. Yes, and that will certainly do that. And again, I think here it's a necessary evil. Like it's it's a bad card, but it gives you exactly what you need in so many scenarios. These decks are fun. I I like that they exist. I don't think they'll ever be the best deck, but I'm I'm happy you can play elementals with like a straight face. That's cool. Yeah, you even got the full on Kahira companion for the mm-hmm. theme deck. Yeah, get a little plus one plus one. Love it. Juggernaut, indomitable Bull creativity with Archon of Cruelty that, yeah, can backdoor into hard casting Archon. Yeah, I still don't like. Oh, also with I, some I don't persists. Like these decks. Yeah, not, not into these setups whatsoever. You don't like Lightning Bolt, for... Faithful Mending, Persist? No, I don't. And they've been around a long time and they haven't really improved in my eyes. So I, I thought this was the spot where we'd start seeing like some looks uh, at, I'm, I'm blanking on the name now, our new draw to discard one. Tainted Indulgence. Tainted Indulgence, thank you. I, I thought this was the type of setup where we'd start seeing that and we'd see some like, Esper Dude, Reanimator. And... It's it's really tough with Indomitable Creativity. That is true. That puts a large burden on your mana base. So maybe it's just time we give up Indomitable Creativity. But I ordered a bunch of foils of that too. So maybe I'm misplaying here and should just be hyping this deck up. Yeah, that, that might pay off. But in order for it to pay off, you need to go out there and win some premier events, I think. Yeah. So it's not going to pay off, unfortunately, but maybe someday. Maybe we'll get a new print in the future. Epic Win 42, Mono Red, Mid-Range Weirdness. Uh, this one is a little bit more, well, a lot more prisony, really. Uh, Chalice of the Void, Ensnaring Bridge, Blood Moon, Karn the Great Creator, Magus of the Moon 2, and then just for funsies, you have Ragavan for the free wins. I worry a little bit about about these people, honestly. Like the people who routinely show up with these decks and just hopping in the queues, playing some mono red prison. Because I have tried this before. I remember after I had my shoulder surgery, I was searching for decks that didn't shuffle. And I was like, well, I'll just play some kind of like mono red prison type thing. And I played a few games of it. And I'm like, I will never play this deck again. Thank you. That's all I needed to do. But people love these archetypes. They love doing the Chalice of the Void and Snaring Bridge stuff and a little Blood Moon backup. So good for them. I'm glad they found their lane. I don't know why you'd ever do this to yourself. It's a lifestyle choice. It is. It really is. And they commit hard. Maybe the next one (laughs) will be more up your alley. This one from Highs. Also Mono Red. Also Blood Moon. Also Chalice. uh, But with Desperate Ritual, Paretic Ritual, Planebound Accomplice, and Luca. Uh, to get some emeralds. Look, at least this deck is going to put me out of my misery much quicker. Like, we'll just do the thing early. It won't be good enough. We can pack it in and move on to the next game in the O2 bracket. And that's it. So, appreciate the, you know, commitment to speed. Oh, that's, my that's God. That's an upside. Four gemstone caverns. Yeah, we got to go fast, man. We don't have time to waste playing a, a long game. We're just going to put our thing out there. If it's good enough, we'll move on to the next one. If not, Okay. I I do really appreciate it because you see so many people waffling, myself included, where you're like, I'll play one main and another in the sideboard maybe. And then they're just like, nah, I just play four. Well, they know they're not going to win on the draw without it. So just just go for it. Just commit. I wonder with eight rituals and chalice, if you just choose to draw it every game. Maybe. Can you imagine sitting down for a modern league and your opponent chooses to draw first? You're just like, oh no. 
I was not prepared for this. Never a good sign. You never want to hear those words. Uh, Magic Tonga, four calibrated blast, two throws of chaos, 16 giant monsters, including the brand new Shadow of Mortality and 38 wonderful lands. Also four gemstone caverns, but 38, 38 lands is more defensible. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, this is where we saw Shadow of Mortality scene play in the modern format. Seems correct thus far. Haven't seen many people advocating for this in actual like shadow setups. So good. Again, there's a, a type of person who likes this type of deck. I'm glad they get to do it. I had someone cast it against me in limited. Was, How was that? I don't know, it was a four mana seven, seven. It wasn't bad. Okay. Yeah. That's a solid return. But it was also like I don't know, turn 10. And since they were at low life, it was because I was really ahead on board and yep. yeah, it didn't, it didn't work out for them. Hmm. Good effort though. Allegra Bob, 80 cards, Eldritch Evolution, Court of Calling, Eladomri's Call, all four of's, that's a lot of those. Eight birds, some Ice Fang, some Solitude, some Voice of Resurgences, and then Kiki Jiki combo, but no no fancy Vivians. And a, a super compact commitment to the Kiki Jiki combo, so you see why you have all those uh, Find Your Stuff cards. It's one Restoration Angel, one Kiki Jiki. And, you know, we got some eternal witnesses if we got to get it back from the graveyard. But this is this is how we're playing. And I guess, we're, you know, we'll try and win some fair games, too. If we have to go get an Omnath, we'll do that. Just like a tutory toolbox thing that uh, can't can't possibly good be good, quite frankly. There's no way this is good. You're just adding an extra step to everything. Like when you have to play Ella Domery's Call in your modern deck, it's such a painful feeling. And I tried it a bunch with like Devoted Druid. I thought it would be a real difference maker in that archetype. Yeah, it's the you, same. You can't add that kind of time frame to your to your clock in modern. It's just too much. When you're getting Fury, it's okay. You know? Yeah, uh, that's different. You're getting a spell at that point. So yeah, yeah, can, exactly. But like getting- a free, a free spell at that. So. Getting a five mana combo piece, less good. Yeah, not going to get the job done. The Enduring Idealist- uh, some Cascade spells, some Glimpse of Tomorrows, some creatures that ETB and make more permanence. Yep. And that's that's kind of it. Some Dark Dwellers to flash it back and you just glimpse a bunch in one turn, ideally, and create this really overwhelming board state. Maybe kill your opponent directly with Omnaths? I don't know. Chancellor? It's it's possible. Why why do this over any of the other cascady things? That's the question you have to answer if you're gonna play this deck. Because you kind of have a backup plan, especially against control decks. Because what, what I was gonna say is I think like Fury is a good reason to go down this road. Although uh, you know other decks could do that if they really wanted to. And there's other comparable things to Fury, be it Solitude or other effects such as these. But go ahead and tell me about your your backup plan against. The control decks. No, you're just like, I'll, I'll evoke a wave sifter. I'll play a tireless provisioner. I'll cast a seasoned pyromancer, cast an Omnath, you know, like if, if they have Teferi, it's still pretty annoying, but at least you get to do stuff, you know? Yeah. I might rather have striped river winder on like turn whatever. And I'll, I'll live with those consequences. Well, I mean that, that backup plan just doesn't work. Like Curator of Mysteries against some fair decks maybe gets the job done, like that plus Brazen Borrower or something. I think yeah. I think this against Blue White Control is like they still do have to respect your your mopey creatures. You think this will this will actually get the job done against them? I, I don't think it's good, but I'm just saying like they have a plan at least. 
And I think the reason to play this instead of the other Cascade decks is mostly because it's sweet and you, you get okay. to have fun. And like, yeah, I, I, I can't argue with that. I guess there are a lot of instances too where you cast Outburst and just win the game immediately, which certainly mm-hmm. has some upside. You know, like you yeah. get to go over the top of a Rhino's Mirror, for example. So there's uh, some reason there, but... Yeah, for, for the most part, I mean, if you're playing a Cascade deck, it's just like, I want to be just like as filthy as possible and just do it as quickly and efficiently as I can. And I, I assume that that is good enough because that is why I'm playing this deck. And this is like, well, I do like cascading into things and not casting spells in the first two turns. And, you know, I just want to play Chancellor of the Forge or whatever. It's like, okay, cool. Mission accomplished. Yeah, definitely not the most efficient way you could be doing it, but it's like you got some weird corner case backup plans, and I've seen that happen enough times. But it doesn't make up for the fact that, you know, when they cast their thing on turn three, they put in like a 2-2 and a land, and they just pass. (laughs) Yeah, not the best output. Trawling the Deep. Tell me about Ad Nauseam, Brian. I, I can tell you about it you know, seven years ago, which is exactly where this person is living. I mean, they have like Thassa's Oracle now and other stuff, Profane Tutor, but still the core is exactly as it used to be for the most part with all the same flaws and the same upsides too, I would say. Like you, you're really good at challenging hard control decks. You're really good at messing with decks that their only goal is to attack your life total and they don't really disrupt you in any way. All those things are still true about Ad Nauseam. And put this on those that list of decks where out of nowhere it can win a tournament, and I'm not surprised when it happens. But there's not like a huge angle for this deck right now that has me wanting to dive back into it. Yeah. I kind of like that you have a bunch of weird combo kill options now. Where it's yeah. like, oh, maybe I just play an Unlife and then Spoils Oracle or something. And it's like, that's kind of cool. It, it makes it look a little bit easier than like, I have to find ad nauseum. I have to resolve it. But now also, if you do find ad nauseum and resolve it, you're, you're not guaranteed anything. So it's, it's also weird in that regard. Yes, it is. Uh, Next up the one, the only aspiring spike, three copies of Obnixilis, the adversary, four copies of unlucky witness, two copies. (laughs) This is not a modern card, man. Tenacious underdog. (laughs) Uh, four Goblin Bombardments, some Blood Gas, and Mayhem Devil. God bless them, you know? You, you know what you're going to get from Aspiring Spike. This is cool. Very medium. Very sort of not what modern's about. But, you know, if you're a good player and this is what you love, you can probably make something out of it. And I, I love the idea. Like, I love go- Goblin Bombardment with all these cards. I think it's incredible. I'm sure Sam Black also thinks it's incredible. I I'm just not going to try and sell you this as like the next big thing in modern. I just think it's cool. I think Ob is good enough for modern. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It's It's got to have a very specific home and it's got to maybe get a little bit more uh, out of its output than it is here where it's still just part of a very fair plan. And I don't know how you sort of break that. I think if Ob does anything in modern, it probably like is cheating on power and just making huge copies very early. That seems like it's best spot to add something new to the metagame like i think as a fair card it's not going to be overwhelming uh it's not really on par with some of the other output you could get from a planeswalker of that size in the format so it's got to have a unique angle to succeed someone on twitter i think it was Cass, said that they jammed four obnixilis into their urza sideboard kind of as a joke and it was like actually pretty good and i'd be willing to believe that 
Yeah, or, or they're Yawgmoth. Sorry, did I say Urza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yawgmoth combo. Yeah, I, I like that. Sure. Yeah, and, and that deck was already chip damaging you a decent amount. You know, it's like you you put on pressure and kind of like threaten the combo. You obviously have plenty of things to sacrifice to Ob, and you know the chip damage actually helps your. I don't even know if it's like your plan A or plan B at this point. I think it's your plan A. Yeah, bringing that in against stuff like Jund from the uh, Yawgmoth deck seems completely fine. And you also have like a primary combo plan that can beat people, un- unlike this deck, which is just like, here are my things and going to draw some cards and do a little damage. I'd rather see it in slots where it's like a secondary plan of a really good primary plan that can still win games on the type of axis that modern typically operates on. Yeah, I think early pressure against blue-white control is great, and then Ob is probably just one of the best possible cards you could have against them in that situation, so I I do really like it a lot. Nice. Uh, Captain Badger, 80-card Yogg with some Aether Vials, and then you have room for all the nonsense. We have the Hapatra and Essence Warden and Zulapur Cutthroat and even adding some Eladomri's Calls. I, I don't think it's worth it. I agree. Play play sixty cards. Cool. Cut cut the P. Cut the Urian. Uh Metcalf twenty-three. What the hell is this? Uh green white taxes. I was confused because there are oath of Nissas. Yeah, is is that the only oh noble hierarchy? Those are the only two green cards, correct? In the main deck? Yeah, splashing noble is not that uncommon, but right. going as far as Oath of Nissa though. Four besage you. Well, yeah, 80 cards. You can't play fetches because you have Leonin Arbiter. So, right. you know, Mana Base has some Pathways and some Rushlands and Razor Verge Thickets. And I guess Oath is the card that you get to blink for value with your Urian. So sure. you, need, you need something. So I get it. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and Besage with Leonin Arbiter is cool too. So Oh, yeah. Nice little pickup. little awkward in 80 cards where it's less likely that all that stuff is going to come together. But yeah, I would agree with that. That's still all right. I don't mind this. This is fine. Approved. It's got the Jerry T stamp of fine. Of like, I would play this in a four round local. Mm-hmm. If if I had all the cards, which I don't. I definitely owned all these cards at one point. I might not anymore. I, I still have to fill in my the holes in my collection that are like the modern Horizons 2 things. Like yeah, that's, Solitudes, Cauldra Completes. I, I do not have those. I have some of it. I bought some bits and pieces, uh, but I, I don't have the incarnations. Mm. So that's a problem. I have a lot of Furies. I don't really know why. I'm trying to think what I bought them for. I, I bought a bunch a of Furies number. at six and then sold them for 20 or something. I just have a, a stockpile of them. That'll never do anything. All right, shotgun three of them. I think I still have one Fury left. Got it. Hell yeah. All right, uh, HNSD, just letters. Hardened Scales, and I don't know. That's it. Nothing Nothing fancy. Roadside just Reliquary. Looking, what the hell? Just looking at what it's changed. Oh, right. What, what is Roadside Reliquary? Uh, land, tap for colorless, two tap sack, draw a card if you control an artifact, draw a card if you control an yeah, enchantment. Yeah, Okay, cool. Neat little pickup there. Uh, I don't think that's enough to like revitalize the archetype, but yeah, I could see why that makes the cut. I don't know. I mean, like you would have think hardened scales would have done more given Urza Saga and just generally it being an already proven deck in a lot of ways. Dude, Fury and Solitude just 
absolutely uh, dismantle these types okay. of decks, though. Fury even more so, I think, than Solitude. But you are you are correct. That well, is messed up. Yeah, I mean, Solitude cleanly answers things like Hangerback Walker, right? Where mm-hmm. most removal, it's like, oh, well, at least I get some tokens. But it is definitely the, the combination of them where it's like, oh, geez. Like, you just want to try and sneak a hammer onto something and hope that that's good enough, right? Like, that is a much better plan than doing hardened scalesy type things right getting getting wide and finding little plinks and plunks i agree yeah roadside reliquarying you know mm. <laughs> small amount of value not gonna make up for fury yep uh rapid luiso eight death shadow uh drc ragavan tarmogoyf four riveteers charm holy hell all right, give me all the modes of Riveteer's Charm right now. Because you, you played Grixis, and I think you had a Riveteer's Charm, so you're required to know them all. Baby, this is Jun Charm. Oh, no. Okay. I can, can give, give you all the modes the... on Jun Charm, though. Sure, give me all the modes. Let's go. Uh, Exile a Graveyard. Yeah. Exile the top three cards of your library until your next end step. You may play those cards. And it's an instant, yeah. so you can play it on your opponent's turn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this sounds very good. And then an opponent sacks a creature or planeswalker with highest mana value. Okay. So yeah, kills kills Murktide. Murktide, yeah. Draws three. The downside is if you hit two lands, but this is a 19 land deck, and yep. mana curve is hella cheap. So chances are you hit like a land and two cards you can play. Like, it's really good. Jund, well, Jund now has expressive iteration, man. Aren't you still? I, I am now at risk of registering this deck as well, and that frightens me. But basically, you, you target Fair Tarmogoyf decks with a little bit of Thoughtseize, a little bit of Inquisition. You are already speaking my language. When you listed all those modes on Riveteer's Charm, I'm like, oh, this is kind of like exactly what I was looking for. Like, it fills a lot of holes for this deck. Now, granted, it costs three mana. That's a, a mountain in your 19 land deck. And I'm sure it'll come up from time to time where these just rot in your hand because four is a lot. Like, But commit to the idea, right? Figure out if it works. Play your four Riveteer's Charm, and then you're better prepared to assess what its impact is on this archetype. I kind of buy it, though. Like, it makes sense to me. Kills Murktide. Respect. Yeah, that's a big deal. And you have you have 16 threats, which I like. You have a bunch of disruption, a bunch of good spot removal. A lot of options for if you want to go a little bit bigger. This this deck just has, like, two, two Turox and uh, Gigantha. Yeah. But that's, that's like, not bad i mean you also just have riveteer's charm to draw a bunch of cards potentially so i i actually like this setup i don't particularly like the team or battle rages but other than that i like everything else that's going on here so another card from mhu i have yet to sink my teeth into is ragavan and and just like am i really gonna buy this card like it can't it can't last forever right i own them if if i I own them and you don't there's no way in hell it's getting banned because i'm very lucky and well, you are the poster child for buying a thing and it getting banned. So are you going to try and talk me into buying into this now? Because then you're going to ruin your own Ragavans. You realize that? Oh, no, buddy. You should you should Just stay Ragavan free. You should play, you know, Is It Prowess or whatever with no Ragavans. <laughs> okay. And, you know. Just just keep riding that like, oh, I, I know it's going to get banned for five years until maybe they finally do it. It, it worked with Uro. That's been like my real success story thus far. Of I'm never buying this card. Okay. But I, I would put Ragavan in the same category for sure. Man, I actually just like Uro, though. Like, I, I bought them. I played in maybe two tournaments. I had a lot of fun. Card is gas. Uh, it's, it's two gas, you know. Two gas. Two yes. gas. But uh, it was it was good times. I liked it. And then, I don't know, I feel like there was some, like, midweek magic thing on Arena 
a long time ago when I played like the Golos deck or it was like Highlander mm-hmm. or something and I got to like play Uro again. It was like, hell yeah. Nice. Reunited. I like it. It's fun for me, but it's also busted and should not be legal anywhere. So. Yeah, terrible to play against. Terrible when you're both playing it. If someone's just willing to let you like do Uro things by yourself, it's a very good feeling. But uh, that's generally a good sign of this card should not exist. Yeah. Come back. Demir Mill. Now back with two Mesmeric Orbs, I guess. That's that's fine. I think that that makes sense, actually, because people cut the card a little too hastily because you had so many Mill spells. And then it always seemed like you play against a you know, control deck or something where the games go longer and they actually have interaction. And it's just like so hard to actually kill them. Whereas Mesmeric Orb was the card that just beat them straight up all the time. At least as a sideboard card, right? Like yeah. You could always have some outs in those forms. So, yeah. It is odd that that card just completely left the deck for a while. So, I don't know. Mill is whatever. But I like this version. That, that I have nothing to add. Hybrid 7. Is it Storm? Two considers. Isn't that weird considering they used to have like sleight of hand and stuff? I guess they just don't anymore. There's like Solundi Vision, Max Remand, Four Serum Visions, and then considers are the only other cantrips, but... Well, uh, we're a wish deck now, baby. We go get whatever we need, and we're just fine. No, I know, but it it just seemed like cantripping on one was where you want to be. I guess now playing like Solundi Vision on one is kind of where you want to be. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ideally, just work that out, and you know, building a storm deck is odd. It's just very different from like the typical rules of deck construction and this lean into Solundi Vision. I do like it. I think like it makes sense. It allows you to play these longer games. I also just kind of like Storm. I think. Again, if I was talking like underrepresented decks, I would say Storm is one of them. There should be more people playing Storm. It feels kind of old fashioned and it's weird to play a combo deck that's shooting for turn four when there are like legitimate turn three combo decks. But it's just very resilient, very hardy and very challenging when your opponent doesn't really know what they're doing against it, which I think is going to be a more more recurring theme as we return to like these PTQ scenarios. People just haven't played against Storm for a long time and I think catch them unaware. Uh, when I played the Vengevine deck, I lost in top eight to Storm. And it was like, damn it. Uh, I used to play a, a lot of Visit Storm. It's it's, I, it's a good deck, and it was just a, a bad matchup. And I think that that could persist for a lot of decks. You know, I any sort of like fair Urza Saga deck, it's like, oh, I actually just can't interact with them enough to put them away. Yep. Yeah, and there'll be, you know, there'll be stop gaps. Like a lot of people have cards that are half good against storm but nobody plays anti-storm cards at this point right and now that you have this wish package or even gifts gifts does a really good job of just like getting through whatever it is your opponent's trying to do yeah uh it's kind of not weak but vulnerable i guess to solitude and fury where they get to interact with your accelerators i guess on the cheap which is a thing that most people didn't have before but this deck is also just playing the four full eight because yeah yeah and and you can also play without them too like you don't want to but you can i don't know that it's it's so much easier to win with with one of these things because like we don't have right of flame or seething song right so it's like the plus one rituals like you you need something to generate mana and i think that they just don't generate enough with without having an electromancer yeah you have to really get past the flames value and it takes time so like it it really depends like like solitude or fury plus clock is messed up that is very hard for you to challenge if it's just like control solitude then i can reset up and play around that yeah i actually i don't mind that because you know you'll you'll sit back you'll draw some cards you'll eventually find another one 
And I mean, remand against Omnath is just embarrassing, right? From mm-hmm. from the Omnath side of things. So I, I don't mind this deck too. I kind of like it set up. Cool. Oz Senpai. Ooh. Teamer. Reclamation. Uh, just all... <laughs> All the, the two-for-ones. Ren and Six, Archmage's Charm, Counterspell, Fire Ice, Grow Spiral, Lightning Bolt, Memory Deluge, Typhoon, Wilderness Wreck, 24 lands, one Nexus. I really think that these decks just don't play enough lands. I realize that Ren and Six does help a lot and makes it so Grow Spiral is basically always active and you have like Charm as a two-for-one and Deluge as a two-for-one and you're always cycling and whatnot. But man, I would really love to see at least one other land in this deck. What if that one land... Nope. It was a second cut. Co- oh, okay. I mean, if there is any deck that you're going to play Vantage This is in, it. This is the deck it, where you can do it. It's Wilderness Reclamation. But even then, you have four copies of Deluge. When are you ever activating Vantress? Should be almost never. Whatever. At least this deck, this deck has 24 lands. Vantress is mostly a free roll. They're, they're playing three Hinterland Harbors. I would rather just have a fourth Hinterland Harbor, man. You're three I'm going to give you a second Castle Vantress instead, and that's the best I can do. I have 17 green sources. And 14 red with bolt and fire ice. I don't know, man. Play play a sulfur falls or uh or hairland harbor. Better yet, add a land and play, you know, one of each or two sulfur falls or something. Dude, do something. Deal. Dude, Vantress doesn't even cast Ren and Six. What do you do? Like, you have to play four triumphs in these teamer decks. That's what I figured out because you need to be able to play Ren and Six on two. Mm-hmm. Right? And so just basic island is kind of terrible. Well, like basic lands in general are pretty terrible because if you, you know, fetch a mountain because you don't want to take two damage, then your charms don't work, right? So just like, you just need all the hinterland harbors and stuff. You just can't even play Vantress, I don't think. Whatever. Uh, Senpai disagrees. My weekly Castle Vantress rant has come to an end. Vantress check-in. The Vantress corner here on the Arena Decklist podcast. Next deck. Hey, Akita. Uh, 80 cards. Damn. Okay, so this is Omnath, right? And you have some Utopia Sprawls. Yeah. And you have Stoneforge Mystic, because why the hell not? And then you also have Satili Felidar Guardian, but also a Shigeki to Eladomri's Call for to just yep. draw three cards. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think this deck could probably pick a lane and be well served yeah. for it. Yeah. But it's kind of trying to do it all. That's cool. I mean, one of the things about playing 80 cards is you do get space for all these packages and you play Stoneforge Mystic alongside, you know, your two equipments and then still have room for all this other stuff. Three equi- three equipments. Three equipments, yep. Yeah. We have Lion Sash. That's neat, but I don't think it's good. It's weird that there are so many Stoneforges showing up when... In Hammer, yes. Slam Dunk 100%, right? Mm-hmm. But... In like the Jeskai control or the four color, it's like, did Stoneforge suddenly get good or had it just been, you know, three months and people were like, oh yeah, I I like this card. I want to play with it again. Well, some of it is like unlocking the equipments, right? Like they were all locked behind Luris for a very long time. Yeah, that's true too. And I think that's a lot of the discovery process. But it's it's not like this deck would have played Luris, right? Like you're always going to be a Yorian deck. You always That's true. In the context of this deck, that doesn't apply. And blue white too mostly because you'd rather have the planeswalkers than anything so yeah people are weird i love it maybe maybe then you give up your uh kahira which is no good you can't afford to do that oh yeah uh sideboard also has two tests of talents for the cascade decks which is hilarious to me nice yeah got him uh next deck craft teamer scape shift i think it was 
people in our discord may be talking about this where it has three galvanic iterations and they're like, what the hell are you doing with this? Are you, are you copying a, a growth spiral? Are you like, I guess it works with search for tomorrow to maybe get you to scape shift faster. The turn yeah. you scape shift, you have excess mana. So I guess this is like insurance against counter spells. So that's kind of cool. And yeah, I just, I think it's kind of all of that, you know? Card is unquestionably powerful and I keep waiting for it to expand into older formats I feel like there's probably a better home for it, but I, I don't hate it. Like it, it doesn't feel useless to me. I'm sure you'll find spots where, it, and I think the spots where it's good, it's really, really good. Like I think the the payout is tremendous on it. So if you find those spots reliably, I, I'm here for it. I, I don't hate it at all. I mean, I could see a world where you test against blue white, and it's just like, wow, they have this wall of counter magic. And also, if they have Teferi, then I can't even defend my scape shift. So you just throw it out there, watch it get countered, can't do anything about it. And Galvanic Iteration is uh, a card that lets you kind of like grind through their counter magic because you're copying card drawing spells or ramp or whatever. And then, yep. yeah, it gives you some proactive insurance against counter spells, even if they have Teferi. So I don't know. I kind of like it. Now, this does interact the way I want it to with Search for Tomorrow, right? Where I will be able to play it as like it comes off Suspend and get a second Search. Correct, because there, there are two different triggers. It's like the first right. trigger is to remove a counter, which you can respond yep. to. And then there's there's also one when I think it comes off that you could respond to that too. And you do cast the spell from Cascade as, or from Correct. Uh, Suspend as well. Yep. So yeah, I, I think just that interaction is like a pretty good push in favor of at least trying this. I mean, that's... That's a big piece of acceleration towards your plan of hitting this this land threshold. Yep. Uh, next up, Pizza Puss numbers. Jund, Living End. So you get Grief and Fury, some Season Pyromancers, Twin Shot Sniper as sort of a Bone Crusher that then goes yep. to the graveyard. And you get access to Besaju. Cyborg has like some Ley Lines, Blood Moon, Foundation Breaker. Ricochet trap. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to say this is better than like the blue version, but I do think there's a world where you're very concerned about creatures where having this setup is really good and you're going to kill a lot of stuff with your fury twin shot sniper setup. And you know, if there's a lot of disruptive creatures or creatures that just like have to die before you can combo off because either they'll kill you or they make it too hard to combo off, then this deck probably has a tome that doesn't strike me as the format we're presently in though. The problem with this is that you have to play Demonic Dread. That is a problem, for sure. Uh, Probably the last time I played Living End, I had to play Demonic Dread, and it does not feel good. Yeah, it was the only option. Just, I mean, Season Pyromancer helps with it a little, but this deck only has two copies. Hmm. And it's a sorcery, so it's not even like you could evoke a grief and then target it or anything. Yep. And yeah, it's a complete nightmare. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they played a Dryad Arbor so that they would have a thing to target. Like, it is, it is not easy, so... Agreed. I, I kind of want to shy away from this. I liked Living End the best when you were just like a fulminator beast within land destruction deck. Uh, those were good times. Yeah. And uh, I agree. It seemed like the best place for that setup. The, not the world we're living in presently, though. Nope. Joe Brook, Throws of Chaos, Calibrated Blast, no Death Shadows. Uh, this one is also just a blue-red mana base and looks very budgety because it's like Temple of Epiphany, Swift Water Cliffs, no steam vents. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this could just be another pretty solid budget option if you just want to jam. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Misha's Factory in this deck too. I don't think I actually like allowed myself to realize that was an option 
in in modern. Yeah, you can technically play it. What, I mean, what's it in? Where'd it come from? Uh, MH1. Okay, I, I just blanked that out somehow. It, most decks play Mutavolt instead, or sure. some, some yeah. colored creature land. So, uh, RVNG, uh, Team Burn Living End, No Grief. Yeah, I I just think you need the grief setup. Like I, I appreciate the blue setups for Living End. I I think Colossal Sky Turtle was a, a cool find, but grief is too valuable most of the time. So. Not a tremendous fan doing subtlety stuff instead, which again, all of these living end variants, like there's probably a format for them. I, I believe they right. could all have their place. I just think like the default best mode is going to be the grief setup. I think so too. It, it is weird to play a deck like this without some interaction. And granted, you have the turtle and the lands. This one has two besages, one Otawara. Yep. But yeah, not having an evoke elemental seems strange to me because I feel like you kind of need it. And what is Windcaller Aven doing for you? Well, I mean, I guess this one has subtlety. So yeah. eh, maybe that's good enough. But yeah, I, with Windcaller Aven instead of the other stuff, it reads to me like their living ends were not good enough. Like you would you would resolve living in and still maybe lose. So now, well, this one has like better cyclers in it, more powerful cards. So, you know, you don't have that fail rate anymore. All right. Yeah, I mean, again, some scenarios, that's going to be what you want. Uh, next one, Modern State of Mind, Gruul, Valakut, s- sort of a scapeshift deck. Dryad, Primeval Titan, Ren and Six, 28 lands, but four Wish for the scapeshift instead of uh, playing it naturally, which I get because the turn you scapeshift, you have seven mana, but also the good thing about scapeshift was that on whenever you play your sixth land, you could also search for tomorrow or explore or crack a tribe elder and then scapeshift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe with Dryad, that becomes less of an issue because you're not as capped by acceleration or making land drops or however you want to describe it. So I get it, but it's just like, you know, just wishing for like a Force of Vigor or an Alpine Moon or something in game one really help you that much. I'm so skeptical. Never again. Never again will I register Gruel, Scapeshift with 28 lands. I've been I've been tricked too many times. The one I liked was the like Max Garenbrig, Arboreal Grazer. Just try to turn three Primeval Titan every game, and I think that that's fine. But yeah, trying to like turn four, turn five people maybe. And this deck has a lot of the problems that the deck did before, where you're just so threat light. Yeah, it feels like a regression. That's a good way to put it. Conus, four tainted indulgence. Let's go. Uh, Twenty four Esper lands. Also, Faithful Mendings, Counterspell, Teferi, Archon of Cruelty, Persist, Prismatic Ending, Thoughtseize, one Unburial Rites, one Obscura Charm. Okay, I mean, you there have the go. four Teferis. Yeah. And two March of Otherworldly Light. I mean, this is what I envisioned for the Prince and Streets, what they would do to Esper decks. I don't know, man. I mean, it feels like you're, you're interacting on the right axes for me, and you're getting just enough sort of stop gaps for your opponent where they're not going to be able to do whatever they want. Your proactive plan is it's fast. It's powerful. You're almost always going to have a Teferi. You try and play like five copies, which is really cool. It wouldn't surprise me if this deck is pretty good. I do think it needs a B plan and it needs to be like a pretty solid B plan. I don't see one here. Yeah. So I think like some Turox to... in the sideboard. Yeah. You got to do better than that. I think I don't know what it is yet. There's got to be something though. When, 
you know, maybe you can even push a little hard, harder on Obscura Charm and find your threat in that space. Uh, find a nice, cheap, multicolored threat. So I would take a look at this deck, and I could actually see myself working on tuning this a little bit. I'm kind of intrigued by it. So I've played decks like this where, all right, you have eight discard outlets, right? And you have four big things. This one is not playing Unmarked Grave because it's kind of mopey, even though they do have one on Burial Rites. And it's just like you dig and you dig and you dig and you just like never find an Archon soon enough. Yeah. And I could just imagine that happening so often. I just, I don't want to be any part of it. I mean, for Faithful Mending, for Tainted Indulgence, I know what you're saying. It's still going to happen. It should happen less, but it, it is still going to happen. Yeah, but like it could just not be in the top half of your deck, you know? You're and then, right. and then what right. are you doing? Like you have you have endings and marches and like Thoughtsies, I guess, but like you don't even want to play a long game with Thoughtsies in your deck, right? And you have ways to loot it away, but like you don't have that many ways to actually play defense. So how long can you actually hold on while you're digging for this thing? You know? Yeah. That's, that's what I think your B plan is supposed to be. Like it's supposed to be another creature that you would both be okay with bringing back. Play, persist. play two mole drifters. Okay. You know? That's one option. I also think you could just play like, you're going to have to work your counts a little bit, but solitude also seems completely fine to me as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're doing the solitude mole drifter stuff, then I like some ephemerates too. And then, okay. You know, you're getting pretty far in the weeds, I think. But I, I do generally like those versions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to poke around with this deck a little bit, see if I can find a unique angle for it. And then the way to beat control decks without the graveyard is just blink your mole drifter, go to town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Zhang Fang, Spike Deck, Lotus Field, Blood Sun, Cryptic Command, Memory Deluge, Valakut Awakening, uh, Solitude Fury, Teferi. This is basically the exact same as the deck that we talked about like two months ago. I guess now it mm-hmm. has an Otawara. Uh, I mean, it's probably a good card here, but I don't think that was the problem previously. So uh, fun deck, cool deck, very cool deck building. I don't think you really have to worry about this too much though. Yeah. King Hexar, Ragavan, Tarmogoyf, Territorial Kavu, Scion of Draco. Oh my God. Just doing it. Like, we're, okay. we're all in. So giant animals, right? And then yeah. four copies of Obnixilis. Also, Lightning Bolt, Tribal Flames, some Inquisitions, a couple of Prismatic Endings, a couple of Expressive Iterations, 21 land, one Arlen, the Pax Hope. Uh, I don't get it, but... Nope, me neither, but I, I love it. I love what we're trying... Like I said, if you're going to do something cool with Ob, I, I want to see someone push on this angle. Like, how do you cheat and get these things bigger, cheaper, and get, like, really, really big, solid Ob's? Here's a way to do it. Sack your I- Tarmogoyf? Like... I know, like you're you're supposed to be using it to beat down, but like the plan of Ob your opponent looks really good alongside Tribal Flames, right? Like you're yeah. pressuring their life total so so it, well, and it works both and ways, you, right? Because you could you could just draw seven yourself, and you draw a bunch of bolts and Tribal Flames, or yep. they're at seven. Yeah, that works. Also, like you don't have to sacrifice to Ob; like you can just play your Ob. I, I know that like feels bad and you want to get more out of it, but That's if you're silly, I would never No, but that. listen, if you're successfully beating down, <laughs> no, like I know, I know it, it's just another burn spell essentially. So I, I like that. It's being very modal in this scenario. And like, look, you're not trying to do that, but if you ever have to, it's like, okay, as long as I'm still advancing my plan, I don't really object to this. Sideboard has a Gigantha also has two Torpor Orb, two rest in peace, two Alpine moon, two Hidetsugo consumes all. These are, very, very good hate cards that that yeah. I like. So this is a very nice selection. No, I, I think this is a pretty well-built deck, uh, with the exception of the Arlen that I don't understand whatsoever. And maybe there's a purpose for it, but I think there's something something interesting here. 
very clearly a thoughtful deck and trying to like get more out of Ob than many people are. Yeah. Jancy Keys, Rakdos, uh, no new cards. Rakdos cards. Regavan, Dothy Voidwalker, Croxa. I mean, I guess you're playing Liliana the Veil now that you don't have Luris, but mm. this is all, all pretty normal stuff. I think, I think that this deck is fine. Yep, your cards are good. Probably not good enough to like turn modern on its ear, but you, you have good stuff. Next up, Darshik. Let's go. 19 lands, 4, four Aether Vial, 37 humans. Big commitment to the humans. Any new humans we're working with here or is usual cast of characters? All right, so the one that I like and the one that I was building was three Imperial Recruiters with a Turok main, and then you have a white-black mana base with uh, silent clearings. This one is a little bit different where they don't have Turok because they're playing Unsettled Mariner, which I understand because Mariner is good against Fury and mm. is okay against Solitude, but not great. And I definitely think that you need something like that. And I think the thing that I like is Lavinia. Okay. I've, I'm starting to see more Lavinias in the modern format in general. So I buy that. Yeah. And the hammer deck for sure. Yeah. And uh, she is a human. So that's good. I, I actually like humans. I'm, I just sold my camera souls cause they were like 90 or something. And I don't have those. I don't have Esper Sentinels, but I picked up like basically everything else that I was missing. Like new secluded courtyards. I got those. Nice. Let's Very go. Uh, yeah, I got your back on those cards. Don't worry. Are your caverns foil? Did I ask you that? Oh, they're they're foily. Yeah, that's fine. They're they're f- the foil full arts too, like the box toppers. Oh, okay. Those are nice. I actually might have one of those. There you go. You're all set. I think I only have three because I never needed all four because mine were for amulet, obviously. What the hell? Come on, man. You got to complete the play set. No, I don't work that way. I, I buy as needed because uh, I don't use anything anyway, so I may as well not max out on these things. I work that way in the worst way possible, where even if it's, I don't know, Cavern and Amulet makes sense, where it's mm-hmm. like you will very, very, you're unlikely to play four of these, but it, it would just pain me to only have three and not have the fourth. And then there are some decks where like now I'm building a bunch of decks and it's like I have four meddling mages in humans, but I also want to play one in the four color deck. So now I just have to own five, mm. you know, just, just print yourself out of proxy, slide it in your sleeve. You can move that stuff around yeah. or, or just, you know, play three hu- in humans, right? That's completely sure. fine. Yeah. Just make your deck worse. Who no, I'm, I'm never doing that either. <laughs> no, I'm only buying more cards. Building, building like Canadian Highlander decks too is like, Oh, well now I need an extra one of these for the, you know, just, it's yeah. so bad. Yeah, slippery slope. I gotta, I gotta downsize my collection and hopefully try and stop doing that. But slippery slope. Uh, I like humans. It is, it's like solidly tier two, tier one point five. But I, I do think it is underrated, and I think that there are a lot of things you can do to improve it. And people are just like, oh, I'm gonna put, you know, random cards in my deck, and we haven't really gotten to the point where it's like, okay, this is humans, but built in such a way where it's actually kind of resilient to fury. And, yep. and once we get to that point, I mean, this one has three Forge Tenders in the board, so that's good. But, you know, uh, there are definitely improvements to to be made to this deck, and I would not be surprised to see it in the top tier at some point. Nice. Genelith, Grixis, Shadow, exact same main deck as before with no companion. Sideboard Corpse Explosion, holy crap. That is a wild one. What are you even I trying can't... to sweep? Uh, humans? I don't, I don't know. I, I struggled to come up with anything there. I mean, they could like living end you and you could 
this is a thing that could actually like sweep a living end board by exiling a shadow, but yeah, maybe that matters in some scenarios. I, it's the planeswalkers too. I don't know if that matters, but I don't think this is good, but that's why out of all the cards in streets to show up, I did not expect to see this one. Yeah. Yeah. It was good to see these uh, oddball cards get a little bit of use. Okay. Antoine numbers four color, no risen reef because they have four traverse four Mishra's bobble and unholy heats. I have not seen much chatter about this. This, this version showed up in one of the deck dumps maybe like three weeks ago or something. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot, but you need to play for risen reefs because it actually gives you something to traverse for that you actually want. And all the Risen Reef ones are like, oh, I'm playing four Elodomri's calls because I have to find my Risen Reefs. Just mash the two together. That makes sense to me. I, I could see just moving towards Traverse. I mean, do you think it's weird, though, because you're 80 cards and you're pretty reliant on getting one of these oddball types into the bin, right, to be able to leverage this Traverse? So Instant Sorcery Creature Land is not that tough because you have the Elementals, right? Okay. No, that's true. And... You have Mishra's Bobble to be a wild card, and then the eight Planeswalkers are also wild cards, and they are they die pretty easily. So uh, from my experience, which is limited, but maybe not that limited, like there are definitely games where it's not online on turn two, and maybe if they know about it, then they don't attack your Teferi. That's on one because they'll just try mm-hmm. and attack it next turn or whatever. Yeah, you, you can live with that scenario for sure. Yeah. So yeah, there are times, but it's also like this this one even plays 27 land, which is so low yeah. compared to the ratio of like standard decks. And it's like, I get it. I mean, you have you have Traverse, you have Bobble, uh, you have Abundant Growth, you have Ren and Six, but I mean, you still want to make all your land drops, right? So I, I would go further than that. I think like when you are in heavy mana scenarios, your deck is even better. Like there's so many spots where you just get to leverage, you know, these these big turns. And you also have spells that upgrade throughout the game, depending on whether you're hard casting them. Like hard casting your solitude is amazing. Hard casting your fury is amazing. I'm very happy a lot of the times when I'm hitting five mana in these decks. So and that's just to say nothing of the fact that like you're gonna do Urian stuff as well. Right. And then your hand is just gonna be flooded. And even if all your stuff is three drops, you know, if you have six mana and you can play two three drops, that's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. So my list currently is 30 land. Uh from this list, I don't have a witness or a ragavan. I thought cutting iteration was heresy, but the Risen Reef versions don't play it. And after playing kind of like with those versions, it's like, yeah, that, that just completely makes sense. If you're just trying to explicitly search for Risen Reef and protect it with like three ephemerates, mm-hmm. then I, I think that that is correct. Uh, and then I'm I'm not playing Counterspell and I have like some Utopia Sprawls. Okay. So... I, I like Risen Reef in four color a lot, and I think that Traverse Bobble is definitely worth experimenting with. There's some stuff where, you know, Traverse doesn't pitch to Solitude or whatever, but it's just, it's so much cheaper. It's so much better. It's another card that increases the range of opening hands you can keep because if you're light on land, well, you can just fire this off and get a land and that's fine. Uh, yep. Whereas Call is just like clunky and awkward a lot of the time. Yeah. I think call might just suck, honestly. Yeah. Like the more I've played with it, the more I'm just like, this card is not, it has not scaled up to the modern game. Right. So anyway, that's, that's my four color rant. Uh, next deck, Bo Dingle, Orzov, Dothy Voidwalker, 
two Tenacious Underdog. Why does that card keep showing up? I don't know. Uh, There's a lot of it. Three Turox. Fatal Push, Lingering Souls. Damn, have not seen that card in a while. Uh, Prismatic Ending, Thoughtseize. Two Inquisition, two Damn. Th- two Kaya, Orzov Usurper. Three Liliana, two Sorin, one Wandering Empire or Emperor. Uh, this is a deck that looks so bad, and I would happily <laughs> register it and go mm, five and three. Sounds exactly what you're shooting for when you decide to show up with this. I also like that this deck inspired you to say damn twice in your analysis before you even got to the actual card, yeah. damn, which is present here. Yeah. Impressive. Cyborg, four Vindicate, love it. Kaya's Guile, that could maybe be main deck. It's really good against uh, kind of everything. Uh, some Ashiox, fourth Turok, explosives, fatal push. All right. Whatever. Nobody cares what I have to say about this deck. Like, if you play this, you know it's like, hot medium and you're willing to live with that tenacious underdog baby let's go yeah damn dot deck uh next up nick norman dredge the same otherworldly gaze more of that creeping in as time goes on oh yeah this is this is like the stock version right all dark blasts and gazes only one conflagrate no loams yeah that's cool I, I like this deck continues to evolve i think it's probably not moving forward fast enough for the rest of the format though Danny Cheapo, burn. Boros burn. No notes. Keep burning. They don't even have to argue about whether or not they want to play Luris anymore. Nope. They just get to burn people. Yeah. En- enjoy. Pidboo. Uh, Esper Sentinel, Stoneforge Mystic, Urza. No thought monitor. It is so weird to me how folks build these decks because you see... The ones with like Thought Monitor and Ingenious Smith and like sometimes they don't have Mishra's Bobble, which is mm-hmm. just like kind of ludicrous to me. It's like, oh, I'll get there eventually. But like Bobble is the best card with Smith, right? Because you just get to grow uh, it immediately and nothing else lets you do that. Yeah, I would think so. And it's pretty good with Thought Monitor. Uh, and then you see the ones with Urza that usually don't play Thought Monitor because you're playing this expensive colored card in a deck that really needs to be pretty lean. So I do get that, and I do like that aspect. But even the ones that have, like, Urza and Smith are not playing Bobble, and it's just weird to me. But, like, I mean, this one I kind of understand. It's, like, Tribute Mage, Thopter, Sword of the Meek type of stuff. So you're just really going for that combo. Yeah, which doesn't beat anyone. So enjoy. Put it together. That's just not – it's not a modern combo anymore. It's not good enough. It does beat people. It just it doesn't come together very often. It's so easy to disrupt, and the decks are pretty fast. Right. Like, the amount of effort you put into getting it together, if you would put in that effort to almost anything else, you could find yourself in a better scenario. Yes, probably. Although, if we're talking about how the Blue-White Saga decks kind of struggle to go over the top or whatever, it does make sense to have access to that, I guess, if that is the main thing that you're trying to solve for. But it only goes over the top of some very specific things. And even then you can like okay, let, play through it. Let me be clear. I'm talking about the combo with Urza. Okay, then it goes over the top of some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not like if you get Thopter, Sword of the Meek, Raw against a bunch of people, that doesn't beat anyone. I agree with that. Right. 100%. But yeah, trying to assemble it with Urza. Sure. I get that. That that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I, I just wish like the individual pieces, like I would be fine with that combination if the individual pieces were better on their own. If like Thopter Sword was good enough against some people, if Urza was good enough against some people, I yeah. kind of think where they both fall right now, neither is good. Yeah. You have to get all of them together, which even just sticking in Urza is hard enough. 
Yes, it is. And then you need time to like Stoneforge for your sword or God forbid tribute mage for your sword, you know? <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Uh, so yeah, not, not great. Anyway, uh, SRB seven, five, seven, some merfolk, some fishies. I'm always curious to see how these folks build their decks. This one is for tide shaper. I like that. They don't play the mm-hmm. Rashad port merfolk normally. Like basically no one plays that card. Yep. Uh, Svelun is in all the decks, which is great. Just even yep, as a four excellent. of you have like some force negation, some subtleties to pitch extras. If you want, this one has two master waves. Glass pool mimic is pretty stock at this point. Uh, yeah, this this one overall is relatively tame. It looks fine. I mean, it looks like a fine version of Merfolk. I think the deck continues to improve. Eventually, it may even be good enough. It would not shock me because all the pieces are coming together and the Merfolk get better and better. You get more and more free disruption. It gets closer and closer to legacy Merfolk when that deck was actually okay i'm not even gonna say it was good it wasn't it, it dude was chill, okay. chill won an open with merfolk and i played it the next week and it was it was god awful it was you know playing like zombies in nashville right i was like i don't know i just play grizzly bears right and my opponent dies that was standard yep. i was trying to play grizzly bears and kill my opponent in <laughs> legacy. legacy shocker yep. it didn't work yeah it was it was a medium deck. It was it was never great. It was way overrepresented. I mean, so yes. many people played that deck in Legacy. Yeah, but it's getting closer to that version, which maybe is good enough for modern. Uh, I talked about how humans needed like Fury Solitude Insulation, and mm-hmm. this deck has two subtleties, so that's kind of cool. And that is cool. Svelun is sort of okay. Like your other Merfolk get Ward One. If you have two other Merfolk, this is indestructible. So. It gives you reasonable fury protection, but it itself just gets solituded, which is really awkward. Can't cover all of them. Yeah, I mean, you, you gotta you gotta fill in the gaps where you can. I, I think subtlety is cool uh, in that it allows at least some counterplay, but I, I don't know. There, there's some issues here for sure, and they probably will never be solved. Quite frankly, probably until MH three or four. Let's shoot for MH four. I think that's more realistic. Were there were there merfolk? In, in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> will, there, will there be any merfolk in that set? Not really. No, yeah. I don't think we're going to get merfolk there. All right. Uh, and a Disciple, 80 card, mono white taxes. So no Oath of Nyssa Splash here. No Besaju. Uh, just cards. I, I miss Besaju already. I do too. Eater of Virtue, what the hell do you do? Uh, it's a Bone Splitter, Legendary. Oh, yeah. The thing that gets the abilities from the things that died. Right. Mm, I don't know what that's accomplishing. I don't get it. Next. Okay. Ow, ah. Oh, what the hell? Okay, this is... <laughs> Here we go. Now we're talking, baby. Okay. We found a way to empower Obnixilis. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. You buried the lead. <laughs> Affinity. Sojourner's Companion. Only two mirror enforcers get out of here. Uh, cranial plating. There we go. Dude, we did it. Yep. Yep. Uh, thought cast, expressive iteration, thought monitor. So yeah, eight, only two obs though. It's just like, why? What are you doing? You're not even trying. I say, I say commit to the obs. We don't need these expressive iterations. Who cares? We don't need to draw that many cards. We're just going to use ob and, and dominate that way. Going to plating? Hit you for 10 with my ornithopter. Play my obs. Sack, sack it. it. Alt. Fireball you. Love it. I don't think it's good, but... No, no, it's not good. I don't know. Don't even waste any more thought on it. There's no way. Even just like Sojourner's Companion for zero mana and then like Ob, Sack the Companions. This is not that bad. 
you know, like some frog mites uh, yeah, to defend. We've, we've got to play eight bridges here. So Well, yeah, that's not good. Yeah. It's probably no fine. Lands. Probably no fine. Tap lands. And then not even playing OBS in the sideboard. Maybe they could only get two because they were like yeah, 70 like 80 tickets. tickets right now, I think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next up, Sand Dial. 80 cards. Yes. Yes. This is the 80 card deck I want to see. All right. So Urian, right? Mm. Azorius, right? Yep. Some Esper Sentinels, Ranger Captains, Wall of Omens, Teferi. Uh, got like some Broadbacks, you know? And then cool. you go all the way up to Sun Titan, baby. I love it. Sun Titan is a an old school commitment right there. Just doing doing the big dummy. But there's a lot of cool like Sun Titan interactions. Like I never I certainly have never played Sun Titan alongside Ranger Captain of Eos to go get a Thraben Inspector and you just set off all these little weird bits of value. Well, you just lock them out with the Ranger too. Yeah, yeah, you could just keep buying back Ranger, sure. No more Supreme Verdicts for you. That's that's something. I, it'll matter. I, I think there are spots where that'll definitely matter. The thing that sucks about this deck is that it plays Amiria, and I don't like. I don't know that anyone has ever a- actually triggered this and had it be relevant. You know, mm. and you play Amiria, and that means that you're kind of locked into playing planes, or in this case, Field of Ruin, which can get you some planes, right? And then that means that you can't play Caverner Souls to go with your Sun Titan. I would really like that, but. Uh, you do have Teferi's and like Ranger Captains and stuff. So I kind of get it, but it's basically just like, I think Amiria might stink. Uh, it might stink, but I don't think you're going to have a hard time resolving your Sun Titans at the same time. Like, I think you just have enough ways to make that happen. I'm skeptical, but okay. Assuming you survive that long. I mean, that's the bigger question. Like, are you actually making it to that point of the game? Wall of Omens? Dope. Solitude? Dope. Three copies of Supreme Verdict? Perfect. Things like Charming Prince, Flicker Wisp. Not about it, but whatever. Uh, spreading Seas is pretty solid. March, when you're generating a ton of card advantage, seems pretty damn good to me. Yeah. Yeah, these broadbacks are just going to go off in some scenarios, huh? Just just doing stuff. Yeah, None Solitude, Ranger, Fetchlands. Yeah. Yeah, this deck started popping up a while ago, and I, I like it. This, this was like a really, really old standard deck where at the time I couldn't really appreciate it, and then over time I've gotten very fond of sun titan so if i if i end up playing this on stream or something don't be surprised i would not play this at an event though i i would be more surprised if the stream happens than if you end up playing this deck on stream quite frankly give it time dog okay i believe in you don't don't be disparaging man no i'm not being disparaging come on that was that was a very easy cheap shot that you set me up for i had to take that one i i understand and it, this is one of those things where it's like, oh, ha ha, we laugh and joke around with each other. That that touches a nerve because I'm trying. That, okay, I, look, look, I will own up to that. I apologize. No, that's not that's, my intention that's, at all. That's cool. It it was within bounds. It it hits a nerve because I am trying my best, and I I know you. I are. do think I, give, I support you 100. percent And I know you do. So that that's it. It's just like, all right, that that just you know hit me in a bad place <laughs> and I know you didn't mean anything by it. And I think that we should just address it right now. You know, fair enough. Uh, and I appreciate that. And dude, that's the core of a good friendship is that someone steps a little bit out of line, put them in their place. Like there's no reason for that shit. If I hit a nerve, I want to know about it. I'm not trying to, I would never do something to like purposely poke at your nerves. Right. That's never yeah. my goal. And, and I know that. And I mean, that's part, that's part of why we're friends too, but agreed. I think normally I would have just like buried that and been resentful. 
You know <laughs> oh, what I'm I mean? Glad. I'm glad that wasn't the approach you took. Yeah, because it's just so bad. But it's like, all right, I'm I'm like pretty offended right now. But like the reason I'm offended isn't because of like what you said or did. It's because I know that I'm not holding up my end. You know, you'll get there, man. That's you, I, no one believes in you more than I do. You'll get there eventually. Yeah. So that's all. And then it's just like, yeah, like you don't know that. Right. Like, so it, it is completely free for me to bring it up. And it's just like, yeah, hopefully you don't dagger me about that in the future because then after I've told you and you do it, it's like, okay. Then I'm just an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyway, we're good. We're good. I'm, I'm trying to stream and I hope that that lets people know that I do think about this a lot and I am trying and I do really care. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Conus. Uh, another, another blue white Urza deck. Okay, I lied. This one does have Urza and Thought Monitor, but uh, it is Ingenious Smith with Thought Monitor. Still no Mishra's Bobbles. They do have four Ether Spell Bombs, which I kind of like because it's like anytime I naturally drew that card, it was sort of gas, you know. Uh, another, it's like the the Vapor Snag family of things that deals with Murktide yeah, Regent. Yeah. That's not Lines completely embarrassing. Two Moonsnare Prototype, two Springleaf Drum. Kind of a weird mix, but I sort of get it. And Moonsnare Prototype only making colorless has been worse than I thought it would be. I agree with that. There's, It's so funny. Like, There's so many ways that these decks have picked up to just deal with random thing, right? Odawara, yep. Moonsnare Prototype. And you think that's such a big deal because that was a huge problem for these decks for the longest time. It just hasn't moved the needle, though. And I'm, I'm sort of shocked to see that be the case. It's... It's the clock and being able to not not just deal with like individual things, but when your opponent like goes wide, for example, it's just like you have no comeback mechanism for that. So right. you just have to do your thing early and be able to like stay on battlefield and keep up with them. And this is like a tall order a lot of the time because your stuff is so clunky. And in the case of like Thought Monitor and Thought Cast, it's like those cards are really good, really efficient, but only very late in the game. Feels like we need a Blastoise to just kind of level this deck out a little bit. Yeah, you need you need something. Obviously, like some Moxes would help, right? Like Mox Opal was the thing that allowed you to compete, and it was it was more than compete, really. It was like, oh well, now I'm the deck that's ahead. But yeah, what do you think is? I mean, this is a little silly, but what's the effect of just like putting Mox Opal back into this format? Is that net positive, net negative? I don't think anyone wants KCI. Okay, but. Uh, I really don't like it when one deck gets a busted accelerator and none of the other decks do. It, it's just so hard because all their cards are so much further behind on rate. Like nothing works without Mox Opal. It's just all not good enough. Yeah. I mean, they keep getting new stuff, which moves them closer and closer. And these decks keep being somewhat successful. I mean, there's a bunch of different versions of it that are showing up in the five O's. Right. But like, I never really see them doing well in the challenges. Right. And that is uh, a better test of your metal generally than just can you five a random league or not. So truth. Yeah. I, I think give it time. I mean, portable hole, ingenious Smith, Esper Sentinel, Thought Monitor, like all these things are like very generous towards this sort of archetype. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see more things. It's just like, are we going to get the right thing? Mm hmm. Uh, Bacchanal, 60 card, Yogg Moth. No, uh, there is a Magus of the Moon, but there's not a land that casts it. Yeah, pretty basic stuff here. Yeah. Nothing all that exciting. Uh, still like this deck. Yeah, I mean, you have Ignobles and Birds. Sometimes you see a Stomping Ground, that's all. Yep. Yeah, deck is good. Four Grist is good. 
Shave on Gerald's messenger, which is funny because when it was playing four, that card just became forty dollars. Yeah. What a hilarious! Not so much anymore. What a hilarious forty dollar card. Dragon fodder. Oh god. Uh, Gold hound. For yep. for those not in the know, R one one artifact creature treasured dog. First strike menace. Tap sack. Add one mana of any color. I guess you turbo out lightning skelemental, and then you yeah. have thunderkin awakener to bring back your skelemental. And you have a bunch of unearths and uh, a couple of Nixiluses for the post-combat sack my Skelemental. Yeah, sack that Skelemental, baby. Deck is cool. Love that things like this exist. We could we could sack our, our Spike Bellows as well. Yeah, well, I imagine that this thing's getting evoked. True. Yeah, now now that you say that, I'm actually like, why do we have this Spike Bellows? Because it works with Awakener. Yeah, Okay. That's all. It's, it's just got the silly one toughness and you could evoke village rights it, which is obviously very expensive, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe you sack your gold hound to village rights your spite. Bill. I don't know. I'm off. Yeah, it. None of this seems very good, but I continue to be impressed by people's willingness to just make a skeletal deck happen over and over and over. Dude, I got that Rakdos charm in the sideboard too, baby. Uh, go ahead and try and go infinite. Get out of here. Uh, Blow you up. Next up, man. Kiki. I don't believe it. My eyes do not deceive me. This is another 80-card Amiria Sun Titan deck. It is just enough different from the last deck to also get posted <laughs> uh, because it has, like, one fewer Wall of Omens, one fewer Thraven Inspector, one fewer Sun Titan. Is playing Mantle, more... Right. Yeah, more Esper Sentinels, another Flicker Wisp, uh, three copies of Mana Tithe, has Prismatic Ending over March... And then another Supreme Verdict. So, like, yeah, just barely notching them, I think, being able to get posted. But that means the two different people playing Sun Titan when 5 Maybe we're on the dawn of a Sun Titan revival. It's just a matter of time. You see what I did there? Just a matter of time until Sun Titan comes back and takes over another format. And I, I, I'm here for it. I'm willing to play more Sun Titan. I'm willing to be hurt again, basically. Dude, I don't know that Sun Titan ever took over a format. Uh, I think there was a period where it was like probably among the best cards in standard, right? Like among the best cards. Yeah. But it wasn't like, oh man, I need to play Sun Titan. I'm trying to put myself back in the original Titan release and think about like where the format was at. I know I played a lot of Sun Titan. That certainly doesn't mean it was in the best deck. Like that was far enough back in time where I was probably actively not playing the best deck and just playing a bunch of Sun Titan. Yeah, I think Wooly Thoktar is closer to Sun Titan than now is to Sun Titan. I could see that being the case, yeah. Uh, Ira 0770 Urza Saga Jund DRC Ragavan Tarmogoyf 2 Confidant 3 Mishra's Bobble, sure. Uh, some yeah, I, I just don't believe this could be real in the absence of Luris. I think Luris held too much of this together and uh, not really something I'm interested in anymore. All right, listen. Jund played 24 land. Granted, they went up to Bloodbraid Elf, right? Mm-hmm. Some people cut a land. I was usually adding a land and just making sure that I had enough utility lands. This deck has 22 lands. Four of them tap for colorless when if you yeah. played the old Jund decks, you knew that like playing a ghost quarter, it was just going to get you sometimes. Oh, yeah. Because it just didn't cast any of your stuff. And in a version of Jund that is so low to the ground that basically none of your spells have colorless pips in the mana cost, that's pretty bad. 
Uh, so this one is Tarmogoyfs, Dark Confidants, your Dashing Ragavan, Liliana the Veil, uh, maybe casting a Nile or Pyrite Spellbomb, but Urza Saga is not adding mana a lot of the time. And 22 land at that point is is closer to 18 or maybe 19 land. Yeah, I think these decks basically saw that they could play Liliana now, and they didn't stop and ask if they should play Liliana now. Well, so Liliana at least gives you a thing to tap for colorless mana if you play sure, but turn three or whatever. But I, I just don't think that you're going to reliably be at like the three mana threshold without a better play to make. Like you'd so much rather two spell than one Liliana in so many scenarios. So like I'd rather you have more dark confidence than Liliana in this case. Sure, I could see that. Uh, once you add Liliana, I, I mean, I think maybe you probably should have added a land before. I know that Brandon Six does a lot of heavy lifting, right? But like you, you don't always have the ability to cast Ren on turn two and have it live. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to do other stuff with your mana, you know, it's just like, yeah, 22 land is pretty low. And then four of them are sagas and it's like, damn. It's also funny how, I mean, like, I know you're supposed to play Dragon's Rage Channeler in these decks and I, I'm not trying to even trim on them. But they're just like at such a low premium here, it feels like. Like it's so hard for them to be as good as they are in other scenarios that it just makes me want to play other decks every time I see them here. Yeah. I mean, and there are some versions that are just like, well, I'll just cut DRC and, you know, play more things like Dark Confidant or play more interaction or whatever. But DRC is, I don't know, it's good with the baubles that you kind of have to play to go with the Years of Saga and, uh, you know, fills your graveyard for Tarmogoyf and whatnot. So I get it, but we look at a lot of these things as packages and right. just like don't stray from them and probably correctly so, but also some packages just don't fit in certain archetypes. Yeah. I I actually think that Jund is fine. I just think that Saga is really not even a thing that helps you all that much. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay against control decks, I guess, but you're also pretty threatening against control decks with discard and just Renin six and Liliana dark confidant too, to some degree Ragavan can just win the game on their own. I don't think you necessarily need Saga against them. And it just, it adds like before when you had Luris, it was completely different. Right. But now without it, it's just like, I don't, you don't have to play Bloodbraid elf, but like you don't have to play Saga either. Maybe I also hate Tarmogoyf too. I mean, that should kind of go without saying at this point. We like talk ourselves into Tarmogoyf as a necessary evil, but... Goyf is good when it's also a Swords to Plowshares. Right. And it's not blocking much these days. No. And as a threat, you can get a threat that is just disruptive instead of big, which, yeah, the Rakdos decks that have, like Voidwalker, for example. I like like that more, even if you're giving up on Ren and Six. Yeah, tough calls. I mean, it just feels like a deck that could stand to be rebuilt at this point. Yep. Agreed. Uh, more sideboard Phyrexian Crusaders, because why not? It worked the first time. Uh, Shock Troopa, Mono Blue Tron, basically, yeah. uh, basically Singleton. Uh, man's been at it for two decades, you know? Right. Why stop now? Uh, maybe not. Do you know, eh, it's pretty do cool. you know that Mirror Shell Crab was a card that actually uh, had me fairly concerned from Kamigawa? And this, I don't even recall seeing it any other time. But now channel uh, channel mana leak. Why? It's just like very free in a lot of spots, like decks that can leverage their graveyard. And even like in standard, I had some concern of there being just like a control deck that just recycled mirror shell grabs a bunch. And 
I, I don't know. It just like had all these alarm bells as doing too much. Yeah. Especially a common, like a, a ward three stapled onto this alongside a counter spell that can't be really interacted with in any way. It just felt like a lot. This does feel like an uncommon to me for limited. Yep. It is weird being a common. Yeah, I could I could kind of see this as, you know, control deck. You just play, I don't know, two, three, four of these, and this is just your win condition. But also, we don't really operate in that world anymore. No, we, we don't. And it's something that, like, as the format powers down, like, after rotation, I do want to look at again, but I expect it's probably still not going to be good enough. Fair. Anyway, uh, not only is Mono Blue Tron awkward and pretty mopey, but this one also has a mirror shell grab in it. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Dean 911 Rakdos. Wait, I lied. Tainted Indulgence. But still, Malakir Rebirth, Fury Grief, uh, but also Archon of Cruelty Persist. Ragavan Season Pyromancer, because why not? Uh, 18 lands alongside the rebirths and then splashing Tainted Indulgence, which I guess would probably just be looting if you could play that, but we can't. So That seems correct. I, I think this deck is kind of cool. Like, I don't think it's good, but it, it does interact. It does have like a powerful proactive plan. Really good at picking your opponent's hand apart a little bit. Good at killing creatures pretty good at its setup in terms of like you've got your tainted indulgence you've got your seasoned pyromancer so you can dig to your stuff you have just like ragavans so as far as this type of deck goes i actually like some of what's happening here yeah if this was the type of deck that came out of mh2 i'd be happy yeah instead instead people took the elementals into different uh more oppressive places versus just like this fun malachir rebirth deck right uh, RBS MPT Mono Green Tron. Cool. Get Paseju now, I guess, which is nice. Not a whole lot else going on with this archetype over the last five years, but you can't improve upon perfection sometimes. So, Yeah, Creature Suite is different. Four Worm Coil. All right, I got to pay attention to that because last time I played against Tron with humans, I was like, ah, I'm pretty sure they, they cut a bunch of them and then I got Worm Coil. Mm. Yeah, that's not a good scenario. Magric Mono Red chalice and steering bridge blood moon this one is 13 lands but not really because it has 12 dfcs uh hammer of bogarden yeah if i ever am at a point where i'm talking myself into hammer of bogarden being a real magic card again i think i just need to be put down I'll, like that's i'll take you aside that's like come on old man yeah you've, you've been here long enough you're obviously not keeping up with the way the world is changing let's just go ahead and you put me in like the seniors league or something that's fine yeah I'll take you to get some ice cream and yep. I don't know, walk, walk you back home to your recliner, turn on Matlock. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. All right. Uh, free jet J A T four four color risen reef. Eldomri's call no expressive iteration. So this is kind of like the normal one at this point. This one's a little bit different, like two oath of Nyssa, uh, a witness, I like the Magus of the Moon main. I like that a lot. And this one has 30 mm. lands, so respect. Nice. On board with your, your theory. Yep. Uh, Karusu. Okay. Uh, this this podcast is so long. I don't even want to like get into this too much. But like this is the... the Oh, okay. They changed it, actually. They actually figured it out. Okay. So they were playing Utopia Sprawl Season Pyromancer for color. And I was like, okay. damn, that's hot. And like played against them and just got absolutely dismantled, right? And then 
uh, saw the Risen Reef versions and was like, wait, Risen Reef is just a better Pyromancer. It's, it's just not close. And now they have both. They have four Risen Reef, oh, two season yeah. Pyromancer. Okay. Uh, so it is cool in that I was like, wait, Reef is is just better. And then they eventually came around also and figured out the same thing. That's nice. Nice. And they just doubled down a little bit, got multiple copies of Reef basically into their deck. Yeah. And then soon I think they'll, uh, like they have two ephemerates now. Call. And yeah, three calls, but it's like, eh, if, if you try like traverse bobble, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you figure it out. Maybe you get there. Uh, interesting that like the Risen Reef ones have gone lower on Coatles and I'm mostly fine with that. And Caruso has two Wall of Omens, one Coatle. I wonder if Wall of Omens might just be better. Like it's Coatle is nice because it's like pretty free to just put in your mm-hmm. deck because you're playing Snowlands and you just want like an early cycler anyway and it's a thing to blink, whatever, and then eventually kills Murktide, which can be a problem. Uh, but maybe Wall is better. I don't know. It's interesting. Not like you don't have other outs to Murktide, right? Like you're not one of those decks that's playing super thin to it. No, no. But I mean, your removal is like Bolt or Prismatic Ending, sometimes Unholy Heat, like if you are playing the Bobble version or just have a couple of them or whatever. So you need to make sure to save a Solitude, you know, but I guess Teferi can deal with Teferi. Yeah, Teferi is another one. But it's not perfect. It's not like, oh, I have this overwhelming uh, amount of things, whereas you just cycle an Ice Fang early, right? And then it's just there chilling, threatening, and it's not even just Murktide, but it'll handle like DRC and Ragvan, mm-hmm. whatever's threatening you, so. Yep. Uh, interesting. Awesome. Uh, some like miscasts in the sideboard. Mana leak. I don't know what's going on here, but whatever. Very specific plan, apparently. Uh, Biesta 93. Indomitable creativity, but with Primeval Titan, now with two copies of Prismatic Omen. Yeah, Blech. Brian loves it. I think I like Archon better, but it's it's close. Anyway. I don't like any of it. Uh, oh, God. Uh, Sight Winner. Okay. The, I I got kind of scared. It's so, like I saw sort of like the Rhino stuff, but I also saw Throws of Chaos, and I didn't know if they were yeah, like trying to I mix and match. Just, no, I think they're just doubling down on the Rhinos. They love the Rhinos so much that they just want to make sure there's even more Rhinos in their deck. And there are also Bloodbraid Elves, which can hit Endurance in addition to Cascade cards. So it's not perfect. Yeah, it's probably fine. Yeah. Can live with that. Yeah, this is this is a weird build. It is very interesting. I mean, the deck can definitely like run out of cascade cards and uh, just sort of like flood out and throws sort of prevents that. And then it can also hit endurance to shuffle in your footfalls when you run out, because yeah. I've seen that happen too. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I think like this is someone who ran, who probably like played a bunch of rhinos, ran into some very specific problems and, and was like, how do I solve these problems? Yeah. And I'm all for experimenting like that. Yep. Me too. MTG next level, Rakdos, Grief Fury, Dothy, Voidwalker, Regavan, Season Pyromancer, some Fain Deaths, Malakir Rebirth, Undying Evil. So going a little bit harder on the Rebirth stuff and not playing yep. persisty things. And then some main deck Blood Moons. Uh, I get it. I think like having that Blood Moon out in some scenarios is a pretty good idea when you're playing something kind of underpowered like this that has some real holes in its matchup spread. Oh, so like the Mono Red Prison decks. That only has holes. In its <laughs> <spread>. <laughs> There's no complete parts of its matchup spread. All right, fair enough. Nazart, sixty cards, had to check. Orzov, Solitude, Grief, Ephemerate, 
Malakir Rebirth, Undying Evil. So 10 of those, three touch the spirit realm. So kind of like three more of those. Also has a couple persists. And then Stoneforge Mystic for a Lion Sash to pitch to your Solitude. Has some spirited companions to blink with ephemerates. I don't know. The, the Orzhov players are not listening to what we say, Jerry. So just save save your voice. No, it's they true. Don't care. They don't care what we think. Uh, D-Man, I'll draw trunk. Next. Deck Faden 07. Four color, but fancy. Super fancy. Enigmatic Incarnation. Love this card. I, I think it's like on the low end of the power spectrum for modern, but maybe if you work hard enough, you can get it to be uh, worth enough to find a way into your deck. And I don't know. I, I'd have to really like think very carefully about whether we're getting there with this list. It doesn't strike me as like, yes, we've moved forward by playing that card. It's just like, oh, we like this card. So we're playing it for the most part. Right. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to be wrong about that. Maybe there'll be a moment where enigmatic incarnation is good enough. This is a way to go about things where you really, really want to go over the top of the mirrors. That is true. And that will happen. So for whatever that's worth. Although I will note that the Risen Reef ones can go off pretty hard and just like basically draw their deck and like recycle their deck with endurance and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so going hard with incarnation might not even beat the smaller, quote unquote, smaller Risen Reef version. Although th- this one does have Risen Reefs too, just like not as many pitch elementals or uh, ephemerates. So, yeah. Yeah, not not great. You play with the Risen Reef one and you're just like, oh yeah, this is this is definitely the plan to actually like pull ahead in the mid to late. Uh Jetterman Goblins. I don't think we've had any new goblins. So this looks No. No, not not a whole lot changing here. Still goblins. Ooh, a Sakenzin. Uh Crazy Bailoth Enchantress. I feel like there are metagames where this could be good. You have access to main deck Blood Moon, you have a bunch of cheap removal. Solitary Confinement probably beats some people. I used to basically know what Confinement was great against, like in Extended, right? But now I would have to actually think about it because I haven't thought about crap like that for so long. Uh, Yeah, and it's been a blessing. I'll tell you that much. That's not something we've had to think about. Again, a deck that could steal a tournament, theoretically, just because it does something that doesn't align with anything else. And if you read the metagame perfectly and had to all... The type of stuff this preys on, you could very easily run away with the tournament, but it can never be particularly a good deck, a best deck, anything like that. It's just got a lot of holes and pretty easy to interact with if you really want to. That's good, though. I like that. No, it is good. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I would be tempted to Yuri in these decks. I mean, obviously you need to draw like Scythus or Presence, but the deck's already playing Abundant Growth, so I don't feel like it would be that bad, but there are definitely consistency issues. Yeah, your cards are just so variable, right? Like half your cards do nothing half like you don't function without right just play Eladombri's call man it's fine there we go we solved it just add two mana to all your cards yeah that's always the answer uh the joy of gaming amulet uh main deck tireless tracker one cultivator colossus 33 lands two explorers still as a flex slot i don't even see in the sideboard there's the the new card the seven drop seven seven choose two yeah yeah uh titan of industry yeah that one Nice. Absolutely. That card seems good. Absolutely busted card in limited. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it actually solves problems for modern, but it's another good tutor target if you want it. I'm not sure either. I, I also want to look at like some ramp built in standard though, because I think that card is extremely powerful and maybe is like a top end that the standard format has been missing. 
yeah, I can see that. I don't know. There's there's a lot of top end that's viable. Like you could also just do Storm the Festival stuff. And True. I don't know that True. that actually beats anyone, but who knows? Yeah, the, having like the immediate life gain is a little bit different, I think. Because like, I mean, you played enough with Storm the Festival. You know how it is. Like you get in spots where you're just like, all right, if I don't hit exactly what I need off the storm, I'm not coming back. Right. Whereas if you're stabilizing a little bit with Titan, I think you could find yourself in a better spot. Yeah. Tuhan, Yorian humans with Urza Saga. Uh, I mean, this this one just gets to play everything, right? Because you're Yorian, so they have. Yeah. I, w- I mean, what do you think about this as a humans aficionado? I kind of hate it because you really want like champ or noble or vile on one. And granted Esper Sentinel in the mix is then like, Oh, well now you just have a bunch of one drops. So maybe your top decks are a little bit worse on average, but like they're all pretty good. And I think that certain matchups just dictate that you have the right ones. And like Cameron of souls can be really good in certain situations. So I, I don't, I don't really see a reason to, but you know, if you're, building your humans deck and you're like, well, I want to play kite sail and I want to play Turok and I want to play the Mariner or whatever, which isn't even in this deck granted. But then I guess this is a way to do it. Plus like the urine itself is not that great. It's just like this one has four solitudes. So eventually, you know, towards the mid game, you get to swords of plowshare or something and maybe that's worth it. I don't know. But I, yeah. I don't so, so I was taking, I was taking a look at the comes into play abilities and like how much you have to change if you're going to try and take advantage of it. So there's a deputy of detention, which is whatever. Imperial Recruiter, which can snowball pretty hard. Yeah, that one's Kite good. Sail Freebooter, okay. Lagrella the Magpie, which I, I think like maybe if you are going to lean a little bit harder and it comes into play, this lets you do so in a earlier game scenario as well, not just waiting for your Yuri to come on board. Of course, you have your Reflector Mages, Thalia's Lieutenant. So like all this stuff seems okay-ish. Yeah, uh, I don't hate the idea. But the thing is, is like the Lieutenant probably got pretty big. And made your other stuff big too. Probably. So by Probably. by then like blinking your stuff, you're like removing three power from them. It's kind of weird. Yeah, we're also talking scenarios where you have access to like five mana. You haven't had things to do with all your mana on earlier turns. So like a lot of that stuff is filled in usually by your uh, Horizon Lands, which a lot of times you just prefer like something now. Like you're so, so focused on just keeping the ball rolling with humans that it's really hard to take a turn off to what you're in hand. Yeah, I think like your your sagas are dying too and not really replacing That's themselves true. with mana sources. Yeah. Yep. So I I really think the plan is to just exile it to solitude. I don't even think that you really want to cast it. I mean, maybe you really run out of gas and you can get your vial up to five or something, but that's about it. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, wait, how does it work with Lagrella? So like you blink Lagrella, Lagrella comes back, yeah. removes your Yorian... And then you just have to find some way to remove it to maybe get to do stuff again. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's some of what's being set up. Kind of like the old Angel Serenity loops. Uh, Brian Cook, Twiddle Storm. All I'm saying is everyone better buy those Twiddles now, especially alpha ones. Yeah. Everyone buy them. Offer you can't refuse in the main deck, which is one mana, negate, controller gets two treasures. Cool. Yep. Twiddle Storming, baby. Buy those Twiddles. Twiddle's hot. Captain Bathtub, another Hardened Scales deck. Probably the same problems Hardened Scales had last time we talked about it. Just a, a few short hours ago. How long is this podcast now? Like three hours? Yeah. Uh, Andre94, normal rhinos. Okay. Cool. I'm still very medium on this deck, but it's it's been doing fairly well recently. So eating my words a little bit, it's probably more solid than I give it credit. Nah, people just aren't playing enough stuff. 
Okay. Like before, it was like everyone had like the void mirrors and the chalices and explosives, and now and people just like took that stuff out of their sideboard. Bring it back. Make me look smart again. Yeah. Uh, finally, oh man, Dylan R. Mono Black Control now up to four March of Wretched Sorrows to just really gain a bunch of life. Alongside those four Cabal Coffers, so we're just we're doing we're doing this. We're just in on this Mono Black Control thing. Yeah. And. Uh, Relics main, Liliana the Veil. One of the first decks I played when I came back to Magic was Mono Black Control. I have a soft spot for (laughs) it, and still no chance I ever register this deck under any circumstances. Uh, This this one doesn't look that bad. You have so like main deck Relics. You have eight Planeswalkers, Maze Mind Tome. Love it. Mm -hmm. This looks like a pretty tuned version of this deck, honestly. For for whatever that's what is what does a tuned version of this deck get you? That is the question you have to ask. I don't know, man. Like so, so I'm gonna try. I would play Sun Titan before this, right? But mm-hmm. that that deck is non-zero. I just wasn't gonna play it anytime recently because everyone else was playing it. But that that version actually looks good enough for me to be interested. Yep. Okay. All right, man. I'm I'm. Oh man, I, my plan was to go to my apartment office and get my mail key. I've lived here for over a month and they haven't gotten it to me yet. And Wait, so you just haven't gotten any mail for a month? So I managed to catch the UPS person outside once and was like, hey, okay. you know, do you trust me? This is my mailbox or whatever. And he's like, okay. And uh, since then, no, I've gotten my mail once. And then when I have packages delivered, they put them in like a separate mailbox. So I've gotten those. Okay. Okay. I, I could live without my mailbox almost entirely, like short of getting cards sent to me. That's about all it's used for. Uh, the delivery thing, though, that that would cripple me. Well, I wouldn't be able to function in society. The main thing is I'm still waiting for my passport. Yeah, that seems important. So I would like to know if I got that because that could potentially affect future plans. But yeah, makes sense. Yeah, this podcast went too long. Now my office is closed. So whatever. Normally, I would procrastinate and then blame it on myself. And now I just don't even have now to do you, that. I'll just blame yeah, it on modern blame and how beloved the format is. I'm sure the people are very appreciative. We spent the last two hours of our lives speaking about modern with them. And uh, hopefully they may, I mean, maybe someone can provide you with a passport in return for <laughs> you doing such a good job. I would like a legal one. That one seems safer oh. to me. Yeah. I don't think we can get you one of those. I mean, maybe we have like someone, someone who high up in the thing, in yeah. the CIA or something that like, you know, doing Jason Bourne type stuff. I could get you a fake passport. Yeah, not very legal. Again, well, it's it's the CIA though, so they just do whatever. They oh, want and they don't. Yeah, they don't worry about it. Not legal, but government sanctioned. Got it. Yeah. Yep. As we yeah, that's do. How that works. Hmm. Game. Good luck.